And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Against the police, isn't it? Uh, a police officer was stabbed at the Michigan airport. Alu, Alu Akbar, Alu Akbar. Of course, you know the mainstream media is going to play that down. We don't have a problem with Muslims, do we? No, of course not. Um, it's headlining right now in Drudge. Uh, police officer stabbed at Michigan airport. And uh, folks, th- look, this is something right now that I. I these these lone wolf terror attacks will cause more disruption uh, across the United States, I believe, and I, and I think I can I can see this uh, going in. I could just see this just really expanding, incredibly expanding, the nature of the attacks, the number of the attacks. What you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report today is June 21st, the first day of summer, 2017. As we get into the news and information, our website, HagmanReport.com, is down at the moment. And uh, we do have some issues with that. We are looking at uh, how to fix that. Uh, we do have a ticket into our, our server, our um, uh, web host, that, that is. Uh, we hope to be back up here within an hour or two. So uh, there there are some issues there. We are We're suffering from some attacks, but I don't believe the reason our site is down. I don't believe it. Okay, the site's up now? All right, it just came up. Uh, I do believe that that was a a traffic issue as opposed to and a server issue as opposed to an an attack. Uh, HagmanReport.com, of course, HomelandSecurityUS.com will be coming back to life, as I had mentioned before, and Hagman and Hagman Report, or Hagman and Hagman.com for this show. Of course, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just go to our YouTube channel. Just go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to our YouTube channel. There you can uh, subscribe. And uh, I'll be on. Uh, I'll be checking in with Coast to Coast AM tonight with George Norrie for the news segment to discuss this attack at the Michigan airport. And I and I do believe that, uh, folks. Again, we're going to see more and more of this um, as as the days, weeks, and months go on. And I don't think that this is going to be reversed. And the mainstream media, <coughs> excuse me, is going to be talking, or is going to be talking less about this. The, and this does play into a couple of things that over the last couple of days, Joe, that we were talking about, about the uh, apologists for the Muslims and about this, this, the, the interfaith, this coexist. It's all, it's all a lie. There's no coexistence possible with, with Islam, between Islam and Christianity. In fact, there's no coexistence possible with West, with the West and Islam, in my personal opinion, based on everything that, that we've heard from Mike Al Razuli, uh, Brandon House, and of course, uh, Randall Terry and others. There is absolutely no way of a peaceful coexistence with a Muslim who believes in the Quran, the Hadith, and the, in the, in the surahs. Okay. So we're going to be seeing this more and more. And I do want, uh, I do want people to really understand 
that we are looking at this, looking at these, uh, uh, we're, we're looking at these situations with, with a very critical eye and watching and anticipating these to develop across the United States. I would recommend everyone, if you, if you do have a personal carry permit, I would recommend everyone carry. And if you don't have one, get one. That's my suggestion because we're going to see more and more. Look what happened at in Alexandria. Had the situation been different, had the two police officers with the security detail at Scalise been, not been there, could have turned out a lot differently. Um, had the, I mean, I could tick off a number of situations where the, where the outcome would have been different. So I do believe it's your responsibility. It's every American's responsibility if you are qualified, capable, and able to carry a concealed weapon to do so. We have a great show lined up for you tonight. Uh, we do have, uh, Jack Posobiec coming on in the 8 to 8.30 hour, and then a very special treat, Steve Quayle. I got a phone call from him this morning. He's back from Peru. He's going to be coming on to discuss what, uh, what he found in Peru and discuss the whole situation from 8.30 onward. And of course, that's always, uh, very interesting. Apparently, and that was, when I was talking to Steve, apparently there were some mind-blowing things on this expedition. And it was, it's, it's quite interesting. So I, I can't wait for that. And of course, Jack Vesovic. Uh, Don't forget, Jack was with, uh, Linda, uh, with, or Laura Lomer, uh, when they, when, when Laura had, uh, taken to the stage Shakespeare, in New York last week, last Friday, I believe it was. So Jack's going to be weighing in on that and some other things. But these are just some of the headlines that we're that we're looking at, folks. I want to thank each and every one of you for your belief and your trust in us as we walk through this minefield of headlines together, and uh, as we continue forward in our growth. Uh, news, Seth Rich, of course, folks, understand that um, there is, in my view, anyway. There continues to be a significant, and I mean a very significant, uh, uh, problem with the Seth Rich murder investigation. I do believe that, uh, uh, that we need to keep our eyes on that. We need to keep our eyes on the DNC. The, everything that, that, that was related to the DNC prior to the election, I think is, is important to keep our eyes on. As well as, oh, and the election, the special elections yesterday is very interesting with respect to the, uh, uh, the outcome. It's interesting yeah. how the how the progressives. They, oh, it's no big deal. It had had the. Uh, that was a huge deal before before the of course uh, on the run up to the election. Only after, you know, this latest defeat, just like the last few times, has it turned into a no big deal. Uh, Nancy Pelosi was the subject of uh, Karen Handel's uh, campaign, uh, part of her campaign, her TV campaign. Uh, against um, Ossoff, that's the name Ossoff, and uh, they compared pajama boy. Yeah, they compared uh, in her ads in the Republican ads. They compared uh, Ossoff and Pelosi, and she actually addressed the House Minority today, and even some of the Democrats. I was reading some articles about it today. Even some of the Democrats from those meetings stated how they could not believe the spin that Pelosi put on the loss after all the hype that uh, they were hyping it up beforehand. And there's a great 
image cir- circulating online. Uh, I don't know what you have to search to find it. I came across it once today. But there's a, a, a screenshot of the CNN and the pundits on there announcing that Ossoff lost the election. And their face, I mean, they all look like they just saw a ghost or, or were told that, you know, a loved one died. They look so sad and depressed and I don't know. It's a pretty funny picture. But anyway, there was two special elections yesterday, one in Georgia, the 6th Congressional District, right. and one in South Carolina. And um, the Republicans in both cases won. Now, I'm not so familiar with what was going on in South Carolina. I don't know how I, that slipped my uh, attention. But it seems that the, I guess with if you're talking about experience and, and credibility, it seems like the right candidate won. And I heard some interesting things on the on both talk radio and, and the TV news today. And the media, in, in, to some degree, is finally admitting that running their political campaigns on an anti-Trump platform is not the way to do it. They're not going to win any elections by doing that. Hopefully that they actually do uh, take that and, and use it as, as advice and, and you know implement it. Did, and did also they say that they don't stand up for anything. There's no... Um, Hope and, and, and future for the American people. These, these people who are, you know, uh, vehemently anti-Trump and that's what their whole campaign's about. They have no message of hope, no message for solutions or how to make things better. And that the American voters, uh, and the hard workers and voters don't want to hear any of that stuff. They just want to know that, you know, the economy's going to be taken care of and, and things are going to run smoothly and efficiently. Right. And it has nothing to do with who's in what office at this point. It's what are these people going to be able to do for the voters. But I, I think that's always been that way, right? Classically, throughout my lifetime, anyway, at that level, p- people have a feeling: what can I do about this? Or concerned about their day-to-day lives, as we all are. Right. Um, we 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 we're concerned about making enough money to to pay the mortgage, to pay the rent, to pay the car payment, to uh, have lunch money for your your children or your grandchildren for school. The daily stresses of life. This is what we deal with. And I'm sure each and every one of you deal with this. So are we concerned about the larger aspects of things? No, no. I, I think, and, I, and so you're right, you're right to the point with respect to, um, where, where the people, I believe, where the general public's concerns actually exist. And it's not at the top, but it's at the day-to-day kind of operation and, and work. You know, so, and that's where the big stresses are too. Uh, the healthcare bill, or the healthcare reform that's taking place has people, uh, has some people concerned on the left. Of course, two the, days, I think, until they right. bring it out or vote on it or whatever they're going to do. And, and uh, you know, the more I look at this, and, and Joe, I don't know what your research has come up with, but the more I look at this, the more I see this push toward a single payer system. And Peter uh, Choka, who is, is a good friend of the show, he's a, he writes uh, for American Thinker. He's written a, a number of great articles here over the last uh, number of weeks. I believe he's, he, we're going to have to bring him on because I, I can see where the, the, there's going to be a push for a single, single payer system, which will just absolutely be the final nail in the coffin, I believe, for our economy, for our health care system, for our life, way of life. For many reasons, and the push for that final or the uh, uh, single payer system by the progressives, by the socialists, by the communists in in power, uh, is incredible. People and, and the brainwashing that has taken place about the single payer system uh, is just absolutely incredible. Go ahead, Joe. 
Um, I didn't want to really get into this, but I guess we should. Why didn't you want to get into it? We would. I don't know. I, you know, this um, the story about the auto uh, warm beer. He was oh, yes. 22 year old oh. in North Korea. There's a Huffington Post. We posted this on Hagman Report. Also, what you mentioned yesterday, um, it's going down. There's a story about that on Hagman Report too from Fox Insider. Okay. Um, I, I read through a few of those stories today. That's pretty interesting. But but the Huffington Post uh, ran a piece about. Uh, it's titled, and again, this is on Hagman Report. North Korea prisoner deserved it because he's white. And it goes on uh, talking about how the article in the Huffington Post on Wednesday with the op-ed titled, North Korea Proves Your White mm-hmm. Male Privilege is Not Universal. Okay. I, I didn't want to get into this, but so I wanted sure. to talk about this because the family refused an autopsy. That's what I really wanted to get into. Okay. I don't Where? know. I, this is a case I've I, I've followed just at the reading headlines and you know, do, looking at Do we know the what caused the, the comatose state of... He was of, beaten okay. from what the... Uh, what the the story is uh, online and on on the news is he was he was sentenced to 15 years hard labor in a North Korean prison for some minor very minor crime I'm not even sure what it was uh, if it was you know having a poster or taking a picture right but um, some something happened and he was he was beaten and uh, he came back in a coma and a few days after he was returned back home he passed away right right I I just didn't know if we we're fully uh, appreciative and understanding of the fact that he was beaten into this coma by the North Koreans as opposed to some underlying medical condition. And, and in this case, I, I might be a um, uh, family member. I might be uh, not really wanting an autopsy. Uh, I'm not big on uh, autopsies, period. I mean, what difference does it make? He, was, uh, exactly. he went to North Korea. He was upright and, and healthy. Um uh, he comes back in a coma. Obviously, they did something to him. Do you really need to get into the details if you're the family? Do you even want that after this long ordeal? Well, maybe right. not. I I probably would, but well, uh, to, to 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 what end? I mean, at the at right. the end of the day, to what end? And I think we have to kind of keep our eyes on that. Um, Susan Rice unmasking documents. Yep. The documents on uh, they're, they're being sealed in the Obama Presidential Library for the next five years. Records relating to former National Security Advisor Susan Rice, her surveillance of Americans, or the Obama regime's surveillance of Americans, including the records pertaining to the presidential campaign of Donald Trump, and the transition officials have been sealed. That's right, sealed, stamped and sealed at the. Barack Obama Presidential Library in Kenya. Yep, there's two stories on Hagman Report about this. One from Judicial Watch. Come on, one. Didn't you get that? And I said in Kenya. Yeah. Oh, all right. Never mind. That, that you know didn't trigger anything in my mind because it's not. I know. It's supposed to be a joke, but it, it's really. I know it's a true one at that. Kinda, so. All right. But yeah, Judicial Watch. Susan Rice unmasking material sent to Obama Library, so they won't be able to to recover this material. What was it for five years? When it's already uh, re-archived through the that's right, that's right. But it, it's allowed to go to the library. Well, I mean, it, 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 we, all the here we in the news is, is obstruction of justice. This obstruction of justice. This is this obstruction of justice. Now, or is this just actually part of the? Just to be clear, they're off limits. And, they're off limits from the public for the next five years under the Presidential Records Act. Now, whether or not. Uh, they could be made available to investigators. 
uh, Judicial Watch uh, is uh, looking into, they're actually investigating some aspects of this. That's a backstory, which I'm not sure if that's reported or not. Okay. Well, either way, it's pretty pretty interesting uh, to see that. And obviously, the we continue to hear about investigations into Donald Trump. Uh, one thing that's not being reported in the mainstream media, the State Department is investigating Hillary Clinton's use of her security clearance, which her security clearance, for some reason, she still has top-level, her and her aides still have top-level security clearance. Yes. I don't understand how or why. The second James Comey testified, whether there was intent or not, that she misused uh, the classified material, her classification status should have been revoked, in my opinion. But it never was, and she still has it. So now the State Department is doing an internal investigation uh, with the possibility for Hillary Clinton, the worst-case scenario is her, her losing that security clearance. Hmm. But why does she continue to to have it in the first place? That's a, and I think, I think we need to ask question. these questions and, and continue on with these, with these questions, uh, especially in, in the shadow of the uh, special or independent special in, uh, investigator. Mueller, who, by the way, I just saw this. Um, Mueller hires another, and people like to call him Mueller. I, I think that that is done for a reason. I think that uh, Mueller is, is was another uh, uh, Democratic donor, Hillary yep. Clinton lawyer. Yep. Um, you know, Clinton Foundation social counsel. Yep. Okay. Elizabeth, uh, who was it? Elizabeth Prelogar. Prelogar. The second one is, to speak. Yeah, she's a, she's a lawyer in the office of the Solicitor General, clerk for Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and Kagan as well, and of course has ties to the uh, Clinton slash Obama. She reportedly donated two hundred fifty dollars to the Clinton uh, campaign last fall, made a couple donations of the same amount to the Obama campaign and the Victory Fund back in twenty twelve. Now, why is this important? Well, the special counsel is supposed to be, of course, above reproach and independent of any political persuasion. This, of course, shows that um, that's not the, that's not the case. And I think any Washington D.C. attorney law firm or whatever is going to have some sort of loyalty or some sort of of connection to political uh, the political arena. So, it, you, I, to me, it would be most beneficial to go outside of that circle of sewage. But this is not the case, and I and I do believe that. This is by design. I think what we're seeing here is is a way to um, uh, to 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 really tank the presidency and the president. Uh, obviously, people are not the the progressives want Donald Trump out of office. They'll even take a Mike Pence uh, presidency, which just kind of makes me wonder. I don't know about, about that. Mike Pence. I mean, they'd take it over Trump. Exactly. Exactly. But as soon as that happened, they would be looking to remove him as well. But, but you talk about obstruction. This is exactly what they're doing. The, the level of obstruction by the progressives against Donald Trump, his objectives and everything that you and I stand for is taking place at record speeds. And no one, I, and there's no president in American history. If you look back at the various administrations, and, and even go back post-Civil War, even uh, even go back to, uh, uh, well, Grant even, okay? You, you look at the, and of course there are different circumstances, different environment, but the amount of um, interference, I don't know what else to call it, or uh, sabotage even, 
against a presidential administration has never been as as powerful and as 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 organized as this. Hillary Clinton is leading in this case from a covert position. Podesta, uh, you got Podesta, you got uh, Podesta brothers, you got Clinton, and all of the PACs that are associated with the Clintons and the Podestas. Understand that you've got the media, as we've talked about before, the media especially is running interference for the very people, for the deep state, the very people trying to take down the presidency and kill the presidency. You've got uh, just numerous, uh, you've got the, uh, as I had mentioned before, what comprises the deep state. you get got the media, you got the never-Trumpers. Don't forget the never-Trumpers are an important part of this and I'm talking about the Republican side. I'm talking about the Republicans, never Trumpers, uh, that are working against the conservatives and especially the uh, conservative caucus. The, of course, the uh, uh, targets of the Alexandria, Virginia shooter. Interestingly enough, but but the infighting within Congress is never been worse. And it was funny to to see the CBS poll. Yesterday, that was used. We were talking about the special elections in South Carolina and uh, Georgia, and and how the corporate media framed this. Well, Donald Trump, his his uh, approval rating is thirty six percent. That's according to a CBS poll. So, don't expect uh, these states the the. Uh, uh, don't expect the Republicans to win or the conservatives to win in South Carolina or Georgia. And then immediately after, and I mean immediately after they won, you had Lawrence O'Donnell on and you had Brian Williams and other people on making excuses for the win and, and saying, well, you know what, really, as you pointed out, it really doesn't matter. It was a special election and it, there's, it doesn't signify anything. Uh, but 12 hours previous, much different story. And this brings me to another uh, issue, another matter, and I just want to point this out. On my personal Twitter feed, Hagman, it's at Hagman PI, and I I, I might have post, reposted this or posted this uh, to Hagman Report Twitter feed. Take a look at, I don't know, a few days, uh, maybe a week ago now. There's a picture, Joan, I know, I know you've seen this. There's a picture, I believe, of the Wall Street Journal the same day the same edition, edition number, but the in the same picture on the front, but with a different headline, with an entirely different uh, meaning. In other words, the headline in, in one is had a, was suggestive of something different than the headline in the other. And of course, the Wall Street Journal came out and said, "Well, this is because of the territorial differences or geographical differences." Uh, not quite. So, I, I just would urge everyone to to find that photograph. And as a matter of fact, if I can uh, find it, I'll post it on the uh, Hagman Report because I think it's it's an interesting visual of how we are are being massaged and duped by the corporate media, whether it's the print media, the television media, or the audio. It's just amazing. It really is. Go ahead. Well, we only got a few minutes left until the. Uh, top of the hour break. Again, uh, interesting, sad, uh, what happened in Michigan. Terror attack in the Michigan airport. Tunisian knife, knifeman 
with a hatred of the United States, wounds cop by repeatedly stabbing him in the neck with a 12-inch blade while shall, shouting Allah Akbar. I don't know how that cop lived. That happened in, in uh, Flint, at the did. Flint Airport, uh, Bishop Airport in Flint. By the way, we have family up in Flint, Michigan, mm-hmm. um, and we've we've been there. And yeah, Lieutenant uh, Jeff Neville, who should be, who should recover from his injuries, but. And how they're gonna, this 50 year old guy is Canadian, but it was from Tunisia, so. Well, how, he's how he's an insurance agent here in the U.S., which is, he's got a, a career or whatever. Right. And the, they're planning to charge, uh, Fatui, I think his name is, F-T-O-U-H-I, Fatui, with violence at an international airport, which carries a penalty of up to 20 years in prison. Hopefully they charge him with the attempted murder of a police officer too. And, uh, you know, he'll have to stay in jail forever, but he was but apparently- it's gonna, it's gonna be more. That's gonna, you're gonna oh, see more, more sure. of this. The, uh, the FBI said that the hatred of the U.S. and he traveled from the U.S. to Canada where he apparently worked as an insurance agent and they are in- investigating this incident of the stabbing as an act of terrorism. Um, obviously we know the motives. I was gonna say what makes a 50 year old man snap and, and do that this then. When he has a job and a career. Well, that's, a, that's a good question, but, though. Why now? Why that day? Right. As opposed to a week from tomorrow. And apparently he was yelling some things about Syria, Iraq, and yes. Afghanistan yeah. after, uh, after the stabbing. So we can imagine it is, um, terrorism. And speaking of terrorism, one thing I saw today on the Daily Caller, we mentioned this on air yesterday. The FBI's assessment of the shooter, Wednesday, last Wednesday shooter of Scalise came out. Right. They said it was not an act of terrorism. It was an assault. But if you look wow. at the definition of terrorism, I think this fits pretty well. Uh, at the same time, you can argue he wasn't trying to change anything. He'd reach his end and, and was trying to just kill as many lawmakers as possible. But, yeah, they're saying it's not terrorism. It was an assault. Uh, they confirmed that there was a, a note uh, with a, a list of uh, six, six hit, kill lists on, yeah. po- on his person, not in the van, and they did not speculate as to motive in the FBI's report, so that leaves a lot to be, uh, leaves, leaves me with some, still some questions. Well, um, but, but, but I don't think I think, we'll get I think any reasonable human being could, uh, certainly, without, without speculating, without much speculation, I think any reasonable human being could identify the motive. Oh, absolutely. Alright, folks, we are up against our break. We will be right back after these short messages. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. 
Kirkus Review states, readers of end times fiction will be hard pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. Uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Ladies and gentlemen, this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, yeah, folks, keep your prayers up for this police officer in Flint, Michigan, uh, Lieutenant Jeffrey Neville, who was uh, attacked by a Muslim jihadist. There's a whole lot of apologetics for this kind of for the Muslims. I want to I want to say this by Christians, and to me, this is this is where we're headed if we continue as Christians and as conservatives to color the truth or to I want to say polish a something okay you can't polish you know what I'm talking about that that old phrase um to, to me in as I've as as Joe and I have interviewed uh, people like IQ El Razuli um and others who former Muslims who have who have left Islam but no um the Quran, know the Hadith, know the Surah. Uh, Randall Terry, an expert in Islam, who does nothing but use the uh, the Quran itself as the as the source material for, for the uh, uh, for the education of of non-Muslims and Muslims alike. Folks, 
we have to be honest. And I think that there are so, there's so much, there's, there, there are so many disingenuous people. The, the level of, um, the level of, uh, this, this bloodlust that ultimately is bloodlust, I believe. But this, this desire to, to coexist when coexistence is not possible. Especially when, especially for orthodox faith, uh, when you follow the orthodoxy of the, uh, Islamic faith. Folks, we cannot coexist. And it's, this is not a, a call to arms or anything like that. I'm just saying you cannot coexist. And the, the Christians, uh, especially the ministers, the pastors, I believe have a duty and a responsibility to present this to their, their, uh, flocks, their, 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 uh, congregations to, to advise them of the fight of what we're up against. And, and truly, and I sent this back when I was on a program in Canada on the CBC. This is, the, my goodness, probably 12 years ago. I said, we are engaged in a battle between good and evil. And I really believe that to be the case. So, uh, in the end, that's, uh, and there's so much deception with that. Joe, are we, are we good to go? I know we're having yeah, some we issues. Ha- we have Robert okay. Griswold of Ready right. Made Resources with us now. Um, something was, was up with our Skype connection, so he's on, coming on with a landline. But, uh, Mr. Griswold, welcome back to the show. It's always a pleasure to be here. And, uh, Mr. Hagman, I tell you, having traveled uh, to every country in the Middle East and even Eastern Asia, countries like Pakistan and North Africa, um, I have seen it firsthand. And we have a 1,400-year struggle that we faced with Islam. It has never relented. It has been probably one of the most uh, uh, murderous cults that has ever existed. Some estimates go as high as 650 million, but it's estimated between 270 million and 450 million people have lost their lives to Islam. The African nations suffered gravely with slavery. Uh, 110, 150 million Africans were taken slave by Islam. And uh, the males uh, in that were almost immediately castrated. Uh, Up to 80% of them died. These are historical facts that we can go back and look at and see. And so the question I agree with you is how can you coexist with somebody who has never renounced that type of behavior? In fact, if you listen to their imams today, many of them promote that exact same thing, the slavery, the sex slavery, the, the domination, world domination of Islam over all other faiths. And, and we are in a war. My two best friends, two best friends in the world are law enforcement. And I was talking to one of them today, and, you know, it's, he realizes one of his brothers was stabbed. And, and, you know, just it's just another case of this unending battle. And until we stand up and say no more, you know, unfortunately, it's going to continue, and the violence will escalate. Neville Chamberlain taught us appeasement does not work. Folks. Robert Griswold and, and Bob, you're, Mr. Griswold, you're exactly correct. And, and folks, I, I want to speak to you for a second. Uh, Robert Griswold, ready made resources. Okay. Uh, we have a relationship, a, a professional relationship with Mr. Griswold. The reason being, and, and listen, please listen to, and understand this. Out of all the companies out there, Mr. Griswold understands the problem and the solution. He understands that this is a well-traveled, well-experienced, well-educated man. He is a, a, a his company. He built his company on experience, but also in, by anticipating our your needs, my needs, our collective and individual needs. And this is why 
out of all of, and we've, we have had companies, and, and I've got to tell you, uh, Mr. Griswold and, and, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, we've had companies come to us and say, can we be your exclusive, can we, we ask for exclusivity, uh, w- with your show and we'll pay you a, a bunch of money. No. We go for, uh, we, we make the relationship with Mr. Griswold or have the relationship with Mr. Griswold because of his experience, his knowledge, of both the problem and the solution, this man is is the key here, and this is why uh, we're so grateful to have him, and it, we're so grateful to to be able to click on the one link to his website and to find solutions to our problems. And that's what I just want to say. And I apologize for taking your time up, but I I think people should know the backstory and know how important our business relationship is, and, and because this is a life and death struggle. And uh, yeah, thank you. But go ahead. Well, you know, I appreciate the words very much. I, I, I do. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a student of Adam Smith, The Wealth of Nations. This is how I provide for my family is running ready-made resources. I've done a lot of things in life that I was paid very well to do, but this is my passion. I have to tell you, as, as a, um, you know, a student of history, an amateur student of history, I understand where this is going. In fact, I was just reading, uh, rereading the book, The Fourth Turning, and there's a quote in there I wanted to just mention. It says, this, it comes out of The Fourth Turning. If you haven't read the book, it's, it's a great book to read. It says, history is seasonal and a winner is coming. The very survival of the nation will feel at stake. Sometime before the year 2025, America will pass through the great gate in history, a, a great gate in history, one commensurate with the American Revolution and the Civil War, and twin emergencies of the Great Depression and World War II. The risk of catastrophe will be high. The nation could erupt into insurrection or civil violence, crack up it geographically, or succumb to authoritarian rule. And the first thing I think about when I read that is Deagle. I mean, you know, Deagle's predicting that. But what you have here, is you have an 1860 moment, the Civil War and American Revolution. The American Revolution was basically a type of civil war. And you have that you have that civil war. At the same time, you have World War II, a global war threatening. You have a civil war and global war threatening. And on top of it, you get a financial depression. That is a, that is a toxic cocktail of things. You know, we see the left today. They are prepping. They are actually preparing because they know what's coming. And, and I think it really behooves us that uh, to un- come to the understanding that Donald Trump, and this is why I totally agree with Steve Quayle, Donald Trump's, I think, was put in that office for one thing, maybe more, but one thing, and that was to shine a light on the absolute corruption before God brings judgment on America. We are seeing ex- exposure after exposure after exposure of just blatant corruption. The murder of Seth Rich, it goes unpunished. Nobody cares. Some people care, but I mean, it just doesn't get the traction. Nobody's going to be brought to, to trial or accountability for a murder that everyone knows wasn't accidental. It was deliberate. So we're at a place in our country where I agree with the writers of the fourth turning. We are headed towards a winner. We're headed towards the destruction period. And, you know, we have to ask ourselves the question, who do we want to regain control after this reset goes on. Do we want the people that foster this to, to maintain power? Or do we want people who understand the nature of freedom and liberty, who want to extol human virtue, biblical values? Do we want them to be the ones that say, this is the way we're going to proceed from here? I mean, I, for one, want the latter. And so, they, you know, what do we do to survive what is coming? Because, uh, you know, I do believe the nation could break into insurrection, 
civil violence crack up geographically. It could succumb to authoritarian rule. And so at, at that point, we have to ask ourselves, what do we do? You know, it's, good, it's something to come on this program and to talk and to maybe generate apprehension in people. Some people call it fear. Uh, I believe me, I've been in places, fear keeps you alive. I can <laughs> tell you it keeps you alive. And I, I can't go into too many details, but I've been in places I knew if I made the wrong decision, I would have never come home. I would have never come home. Mm. Um, but it, so if, if you feel this trepidation, if you feel this fear in your heart or, or things coming or, or just a, an unrest, there's two ways you can go with it. You can deny that fear and just try to ignore it, which most of America does these days. Or you can do as Noah. And as it says in the Bible, Noah moved with a holy fear. See, that's a good fear. A holy fear is a good fear because it's based on reality. It's based on you know history and biblical values, biblical truth. When it's based on that, then you can operate and move on that fear and do something constructive. So it's not just enough to say, let's let's get people worried about these things. The goal of all of us is to say, how do we weather this storm? How do we position ourselves in such a way as to weather this storm? And I think that's that's what we need to be discussing and, and going into. What can the average person do? to uh, see this storm, which I think it's going to be pretty pretty devastating. I think it's going to yep. undermine a lot of this nation, and and I hate to say it, I think a lot of people will not make it through the other end of it. But what can we do for good people, people that understand those values, to say, I want to come through the other end of this, and I want to be the ones that set the new stage for my posterity? You know, the founders realized that if they won the war, they were going to be bankrupt. If they won the war, they were going to face years of decades of hardship, but yes. they didn't do it for themselves. They did it for their posterity. And so that's that's the burden I have. I'm 61 years old. I've lived a very good life. I've, I've done a lot of things in life. But now as I reflect, as I enter older age, I want to look at my the younger generation and say, I want to give them the same thing. Let's pass this on. Let's don't let it go into extinction. Let's don't go into you know 500 years of dark ages. Let's take this light that we have. Let's overcome these obstacles. Let's go through the difficult times, the reset, and let's come out the other end and be the victors in it. And, and that's why I have so much respect for Robert Griswold, ready-made resources for that reason, for the, for the reasons he just stated. Thinking not just about yourself, thinking not uh, thinking ahead, thinking about your children and the future of your family and your loved ones, the future of your country, and and that that's from the heart. Thank you. Mr. Thank you. Thank you. I think I think there I think there are millions of people out there and they and they, they, they that's why these programs are so important with you guys. They gravitate because they are looking for something they can hold on to. Say we you know, we don't lack motivation. We don't even lack um, the understanding of what's going on. We lack a central rallying point where we can get around people of like mind and draw strength from each other and say, this is how we proceed. This is how we go on. Uh, again, the left is starting to understand that. I mean, we see these leftist groups training, buying food, buying ammunition, training with guns and so forth. And we really need to take that cue and, and, and really do it one beyond that and make sure that, that that when these things happen, we can definitely network with people of like mind. Um, that is going to be the key issue. 
is being able to network with people who are of like mind. There's not going to be any Rambos out here that do it all by themselves. You're going to need your neighbors, your friends. You're going to need your church members. You're going to need all these people that you can network together, come together, and supply each other's needs. And I think with that said, that you know, there's. I wanted to share with you just a story that happened to me over the weekend and segue it into a, a need I think is overlooked in the prepper community many, many times, and that is communication. Um, this this weekend, I'm a ham radio operator, uh, Kilo Mike 4, mm-hmm. India Echo, Quebec is my call sign. My son is Kilo Mike 4, Juliet, Juliet Hotel. Um, we were what's called sagging for a bike race, the Chirahalo Challenge. And that's a 112-mile bike race through the mountains of eastern Tennessee, up to 6,000 feet and so forth. Well, during that race, we set up our um, Sweetwater Tennessee Ham Radio Club as the people who monitor the race, we're the official monitors of the race. So in case a biker gets in trouble or needs water or mechanical repair or whatever, we're there. So we drive our, I, I'm, I'm in a truck, and I drive to them and assist them. Well, as I was driving up the mountain at about 4,000 feet, uh, I come across this gentleman just laying on his back. He was riding a horse up there, and he fell off, and I mean, landed squarely mm. on the back of his head. It was not oh. good. He had it was a big blood stain on the road. He had a bad concussion. There were some motorcycle people there. Cell phones didn't work at 4,000 feet. Sure. So uh, uh, with the ham radio, we were able to call down to our base station. They relayed the am- message. They got the ambulances up there. LifeStar came in and got him hauled him out. His lady friend that was with him didn't have a way to contact her family. We relayed her phone numbers down to her base station. They called her family, got a family out there. And my point in this is that there's coming a time in America when they're going to turn the cell phones and internet off. That's going to happen. We've seen it happen in parts where it's been shut down for a couple hours or a day. And pandemonium chaos breaks out very quickly when you cannot get in touch with the people that you need to get in touch with. There is nothing more important than communication. You know, uh, I know the uh, we had you've, you've interviewed John Lovell. He was over here this weekend, or last weekend, when we were doing a little class with him. And, you know, his motto as a ranger was shoot, move, communicate. And that communication, he said, is so, so important. But a lot of times we overlook it as something because we might be afraid of the technology of it or whatever. We don't do it. And so what I'm going to encourage people to do tonight is to look into getting their ham radio license. And I want to dif- differentiate between the, the radios you'll buy at a department store and ham radio. We're talking completely two different things. The radios you buy at a store, because uh, radios work on line of sight, you might get half a mile to a mile out of those radios. Don't don't worry what the box says. It might say 30 miles. You, you won't get 30 miles out of them. I've done it too many times. You won't. Ham radio, on the other hand, is the thing that it's going to allow you, if used properly, to influence in your area of operations, let's just say out to maybe 100 miles, 70 miles, 60 miles, but maybe, maybe out to 100 miles. When you have a catastrophe, anybody within that area, you're going to be to communicate with them, just as we did on that mountain. That's, I mean, it, and it wasn't only me, so there was a whole network of people involved. The people down below had to call and take care of things. Some other ham radio operators came in and started directing traffic, all because we were able to communicate. And so I just want to encourage people to look into getting their ham radio license. I'm more than glad to help them, because I know as you get this aspect of prepping taken care of in, in your life, Everybody around you, just as that man, was benefited by the experience of people having gotten their radio license. That man had nothing to do with radio, but I would dare say it probably saved his life. Um, because if wow. not, it would have taken a half an hour, 45 minutes to drive off the mountain. 
get the ambulance, half an hour, 45 minutes to get back up there. And this man was definitely slipping into, um, he was going unconscious, and we were doing everything we could to keep him conscious. So and instead of that, it, it took about 30 minutes to get him out of there. Lifestar came in and pulled him out, and he was in the hospital before, you know, before the, the ambulance would have gotten there if we had to do it another way. So just think of this in a scenario where the grid goes down or the communication go down, and you need to talk to your friends, your family. You don't know where your family's at. You know, your wife might be at the mall, she might be at school, your children might be at school, whatever. And then you have the ability to orchestrate a plan because you have this base covered. So um, I, th this is what I really promote with people. Uh, two things, a lot of people have the food covered, a lot of people have the water covered, but they, they fear the technology, which is not that hard to get your ham radio license. And I want to state this, there's a lot of people out there that say, I'm not going to get the license. I'm just going to buy the radios, and if you know when the when the hits the fan, I'm going to use them. I'm going to tell you, no, you won't. Today's radios are getting too complicated for you to probably figure it out on the fly. You're not going to do it. Plus, I belong to the Monroe County Amateur Radio Club. I would say in our club we have a hundred years of collective communication experience in the people that go there. If I have questions and answers, they can solve my radio questions generally in in an hour where it might take me two or three days of research. So there's there's a tremendous collective uh, information in these ham radio clubs, and, and like probably everybody in the country has one close enough they could go to and, and become a member of. And so I would encourage that. Um, we've actually put together a little package like we can talk about later, but for people who are interested in doing this, that'll give you two ham radios, um, all the things that you'll need to be able to talk to you, your spouse. You can always add more to it, but... Um, uh, it is one thing I just wanted to touch because it's a passion. It, communication will be essential. You can have all the food you have, you can have all the water you have, but if you can't contact people for help, support, whatever you're going to need, you're going to find yourself, you know, you're going to be a victim pretty quickly. You're talking to a guy, by the way, that I, I don't I don't have a cell phone except when I go on the road or out of town. My wife says, here, take this. And I and I look at it and I go, okay, and Praise I do you. know, <laughs> That's good. okay, yeah, yeah. I don't. So so at least I mean, if if there was an accident or something, I can certainly, um, I know how to turn it on and and get the numbers to show up and and you know. Uh, so, but having said that, I and this is weird, okay, because I I know the importance of communications, and I've always wanted to to really understand and get familiar with ham radio operation. Um, by the way, uh, two things uh, in rapid or three three questions in rapid succession. How long does it take to get your license? How much is a license fee? And do I need to erect like a fifty foot antenna in my backyard? Okay, to answer your questions, um, I uh, studied. I, we use we actually in the package we sell. We actually there's a course in there that's an online course. It's called Ham Radio License Online dot com. Um, you go through there. It's a preparatory class. For me, it was the best thing I found. You can't take your license, your test online, but you can go through and take this preparatory course, which actually has generated simulated tests. So you can go in there and take a simulated test as many times as you want to before you go and take the real test. The real test has to be administered locally. And like I said, if you go online, anybody goes online, and let's just say you live in Brown County, Kentucky. I don't know if there is such a thing, but let's just say you live there. You go on the Internet, type in Brown County, Kentucky Amateur Radio Club. You're gonna you're gonna find the amateur radio club in your area. You would contact them. They would tell you when they would administer the test. It, it took me two weeks to prepare for the test, and I 
past it. My son was 12 years old at the time. All he knew is you turn the button on and push the button, push the thing, and you can talk to it. He um, he kind of brute forced the test. He just went through and me- kind of memorized a lot of the answers, but because it is a multiple guess, and and he passed it at 12 years old, became the youngest ham radio operator in Monroe County at the time. So um, I hope that answers that question. The fee to take the test is um, they charge us $10 each to take the test, and so that, that's not going to be a, a break the bank in most people's cases. Um, to get set up with ham radio, there are different avenues or different levels that you can use ham radio. Most people for local communication, I would say out to about 100 miles, are going to use what are considered UHF, VHF radios. Those are They look like the, the kind you buy down at you know, the department store. They're the same, but the frequencies are different. And here's here's where the here's where the big changes start coming. First, those those handhelds you buy at the department store, a limited amount of frequencies. You're going to quickly find out that people are overwhelming those because so many people are going to try to use those frequencies. You're not going to be able to get your communication through when there's an emergency. Everybody's going to have the same idea: pick them up and use those. And you know, if you have other people in your area trying to use them, you're going to be talking over each other, especially in a larger city. Two, Mr. Griswold. I just want yes. to give you a heads up here. We it's uh, seven fifty three. We got about two and a half minutes before the okay. break. Three minutes, yeah. Want to make sure that yes. I can we, change sure the antenna, different. put a bigger antenna on a ham radio, um, and and go that way. Um, people, we we put together a radio package. You get two radios, two ham radios, two throat mics. And a lot of times, if you're out and you don't want to hear people talking, it's a throat mic with an earbud that clips in, so you can be secure in your communications. If you're out walking around and don't want everybody else to hear what you're talking about, and two larger antennas, two extra batteries, two car chargers. It comes with a course, the repeater handbook, and it's less than five hundred dollars. And and so I'd be glad after the program to talk with people about this. But those are some of the things that you can do. And, again, just encouraging that because it is absolutely essential for what is coming. Um, um, I'll stay here during the whole show. I want to listen to Steve Quayle anyhow. He's my friend. I want to listen to him. But if they want to call me at 800-627-3809 or they can go online and go to the website. Once they enter the website, on the left-hand side, they'll see the search bar. Just type in Hagman Special. That pa- that package will come up. If they type in Hagman Special, that will come up. And I'm actually throwing in a free, what's called a programming cable, that allows you to actually program the radios right off your computer. It makes it much easier than punching all those little buttons and learning the menus. So, uh, again, if people have questions on communication, I'll be glad to stay here as long as the phone rings and help them out with it. Call me tomorrow. Um, it is an essential thing. If you do not have communication, I can promise you, you're not going to fear this event that's coming well. You will not do it. It is It is critical. Man. What a great offer. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much for putting this and for being there to answer questions. And, uh, this does separate you from, uh, from everyone else. I mean, uh, Robert, we have a listener question. Um, this is from Ken. He asks, looking into his ham radios, your ham radios, will they work after an EMP? Yes, if you go, actually, there's a company called Solark, S-O-L hyphen A-R-K. They make, we sell their products. They make a, a, a EMP, CME, resistant solar energy system. They actually have a video you can go watch where they set up an EMP cage and zap these radios and zap cell phones. Because the circuitry in them is so small, they generally will work after an EMP. The caveat with that is if you plug it in charging it, then you've connected that cell phone or that radio to a 1,000 miles of wire going back to the transmission station, and then it'll burn up. Generally, it is. If they need to, they can get an EMP bag, 
put them in an EMP bag and store them that way. But the key is learn to use them now. You're not going to learn to use them in an emergency. Under stress, you're not going to do this. And so the person who wants to buy the radios and not train with them, I would tell you you're wasting your money. Buy the radios, train with it, get your ham radio license, ask questions. Again, there's probably 100 years of collective radio experience at your local ham radio club. And they're they're more than glad to help people to get their uh, amateur radio license. And you can't go wrong, uh, you know, when we when you talk about the importance of communication, especially in a t- in times of natural disasters or societal breakdowns. You know, besides food and water, there really isn't anything more important. You can you can accomplish a lot more with with the types of communication. Uh, Robert Griswold was and, talking about. Yeah, exactly. And Joe, the reason I mentioned and, and Mr. Griswold, the reason I mentioned about me being uh, uh, cell phone. Uh, not really working with cell phone is because I, I still think communications is the key, and, and you, the ham radio will be that item, that item, that this, the item that's going to separate us or the people um, that survive from those who don't. It's one of the items anyway. You're going to need to network. You're going to need to be able to influence the people in your area of operation. And as John Lovell yes. said, as a ranger, shoot, move, communicate. You can't do it without communication. Right. Absolutely right. Robert Griswold, Ready Made Resources is the website, uh, readymaderesources.com. Thank you so much for joining us. We will be God right bless. back after this break. God bless, man. Edition of the Hagman and Hagman Reporter guest this segment, Jack Posobiec. You know Jack Posobiec. He is the author. A new book, Citizens for Trump. If you don't have it, you gotta get it. This guy is on, uh, a tremendous author. This guy's on fire. Okay. Jack Posobiec, he's on fire. And if that name rings a bell, well, uh, it was last week, the play, the Shakespeare play, if that's what you want to call it. I don't know. Is Shakespeare, uh, the bastardization of Shakespeare, more appropriately. Um, he was the gentleman in the audience, the male half of the male-female, Linda, uh, or I'm sorry, Laura Lomer went up on stage, and Jack Posobiec, uh, of course, was in the audience and made some statements. This is who we have on, Jack Posobiec. Welcome, sir, to the Hagman. Welcome back to the Hagman Hagman Report. Hey, it's great to be here, guys. How are you? You know, uh, yeah, that, uh, that play, Julius Caesar. So what they did, it was, it was a Trump assassination play, all right? And the left is trying to hide their, their hand in this by saying, oh, you know, it was just a, just a staging of Julius Caesar with a contemporary politician and nothing to do with, you know, specifically about killing Trump. No, no. The, the rhetoric on the left, the context of what we've seen for the last two years from this side has been mayhem, death, and destruction. There's been actual violence. It's an assassination attempt just last week in Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, and then we saw the, the ISIS propaganda-like video of uh, Kathy, uh, Kathy Griffin, the former CNN host, you know, decapitating the president. Uh, and in the wake of all that, to have this play, supposedly, you know, Shakespearean, but they changed a lot of the lines. They changed the whole thing so that it's about Melania and President Trump. 
And then the you know sort of the the denouement of the uh, of the performance is that they they all stab over and over again the president to death up on the stage and it's bloody it's gory it's like we're talking Quentin Tarantino level of of blood and gore like something out of Reservoir Dogs. And so myself and my friend Laura Loomer, yeah, you know, we decided to do something about it. So we we got tickets to the the play and. Uh, you know, we caused a little disruption. Laura actually ran up on the stage uh, yelling, and she was yelling about the, the normalization of political violence in America today. And then I'm in the stands filming, and I started yelling, uh, the blood of Steve Scalise is on your hands. And I yelled, I said, Goebbels would be proud. You know, that level of propaganda and that level of twisting the narrative. Indeed. And uh, we I, I caught uh, Laura on uh, Sean Hannity, and, of course, I, understood where she was coming from did, did she plan that did, did well i'll just ask this did you both plan that out uh working in concert with one another? well you know we i we didn't plan it together both laura and i know each other we're friends but uh we actually didn't plan to be there together and what it ended up happening was there was a contest going on by from mike cernovich that calling for disruptions and we both just sort of ended up going the same night. Then again, uh, the night after that and the night, the final night, there were, I think, three more disruptions of people going, uh, folks from the Proud Boys, that's Gavin McGinnis's organization, and then, uh, some people that are from the Gateway Pundit with, uh, Jim Hoft actually went. To, Interesting. And, you know, they went and did the same thing. Storm Patriots storming the, you know, storming the gates. Interesting. Well, I, I personally, I think that is the right thing to do. Because um, normally, I well, I just think it's the right thing to do. If if you if you understand, if people understand what is taking place with exactly right, the normalization of the uh, assassination, the violence, the political left, it's it's just incredible. Uh, so I'm I'm behind you 100. percent But let's put that aside for a minute. You've got a new book out, just came out what two a week and a half ago, Citizens for Trump: The Inside Story of the People's Movement to Take Back America. Let's talk about that. I, I, bet well, I, I appreciate you bringing it up. I do. So, so I was the special projects director of the organization Citizens for Trump all throughout the election, throughout 2016. And we were the largest uh, grassroots organization for Trump in the country. Uh, when I went all around the country, I went to Trump rallies, I went to Hillary rallies, I went to Tim Kaine. I, I would call them gatherings more than rallies when it was Tim Kaine. Even even Hillary, hers were more like you know sewing circles rather than you know a rally. There are crowd size there. I wouldn't quite call it a rally. Um, but then, uh, as we got closer to the election, we launched the Operation MAGA 3X, flash mobs around the country, crashing Hillary uh, events, Obama, all the Clintons were there. Uh, and this book is telling the story of that. And then on Election Day itself, uncovering, uh, you know, uncovering a lot of electioneering in Philadelphia, all the way jumping towards election night, uh, being there in New York City, seeing what it was like at that party. Uh, and then I actually jumped forward a little bit uh, into 2017, and I tell the story of the deplorable and the violence, the rise of anti antifa violence that we saw that night. And the book actually ends uh, with Trump being inaugurated president. So it tells the story of the campaign through the eyes of somebody who lived it on the ground in the streets. And I get I get into behind the scenes stuff too. I talk about stuff that that uh, Roger Stone and I were working on together. I talk about the time that the GOP was trying to get Trump to actually drop out of the race. Uh, I think that story hasn't really been told in any of the books that have been written yet, so I decided to take it upon myself to tell that story. You know, I, I had some someone in, uh, email me and, and accuse me of not reading as many books as I read. I read your book, and uh, I, I do read all, all, all the books that I talk about. And I've got to tell you, reading your book... Um, it's it's kind of like looking into. I felt like I was reading your journal. 
or a journal, I should say. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of it was, yeah, sort of like I would go back to old emails. I was going back to old notes from conference calls during the campaign that I just I saved everything. I'm, I'm like James Comey, but, you know, I'm, I'm a patriot instead of whatever he is. Um, <laughs> so we've got, we've got the Posobiec memos, and that's what turned into this book. I love it. Um, in the campaign, if you can, get into what are some of the uh, – what are your favorite moments of the campaign, uh, covering it from the from the Trump side? Any any good well, I would, points or? I would say, for me, the probably the most dramatic moment. Uh, hang on a second. I would say for me, probably the most dramatic you know turning point of the campaign would have been the the Access Hollywood tapes and that whole the whole drama that played out that weekend. The drama that played out with that, that's when they were trying to get him to drop out of the race and they said you're not going to win you don't have any possibility of uh you know achieving this trump goes to the people that we we held a flash mob right outside trump tower to let him know that sir the people are still with you we're not going to stand up for this stuff we're not going to listen to the mainstream media you know and uh we're not going to make non-issues into issues and then the turning around of Trump's, you know, kind of playing into it and saying, you know what, I'm going to give this big press conference before uh, before the second debate, if you remember, it was the same weekend. And and the rumors that uh, somebody was leaking to the media was that Trump was going to plan to, uh, to resign, actually plan to drop out and not have the debate. And so that rumor was being sent to the media. So they all come into this this press conference and literally walk into the room thinking it's going to be this this huge historic event. All the mainstream media is there. The cameras are rolling. They walk in. And what is it? It's Donald Trump sitting there with the women who have accused Bill Clinton and Hillary <laughs> of sexual assault. It's Juanita Broderick. It's Paula Jones. It's... Um, uh, Kathy Shelton, and they're all sitting right there, and the media was forced to cover it. And Trump just said, "You know, I'm here because I support these wonderful women." Wow, that that had to be uh, wow, wow. Okay. But by the way, folks, uh, Jack Posobiec is our guest. His book, "Citizens for Trump: The Inside Story on the People's Movement to Take Back America." I read it. I love it. It's it's it really is an insight, a uh, 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 kind of a close quarters insight. Like reading someone in this diary, almost or a journal, into the uh, campaign uh, through the eyes of our guest Jack Posobiec. And Jack, let me ask you this: uh, You just gave a great example of what some call Trump trolling the media. Do you think he's been doing a good job since he's been inaugurated, continuing to to do just that? You know, I wish he would do more of it. To be honest, I think he hasn't been doing enough of it. There's so many people that are saying Trump should treat, tweet less. I completely disagree. I think you should be tweeting more. I think you should be doing more of these trolls. Uh, I think one of the great examples of that, uh, there's two that I can think of that, he, that he's done uh, since he was inaugurated that I thought were absolutely fantastic. The first one, it wasn't quite as big, but it, was, it made me laugh a lot, was when he tweeted the one morning that, uh, that anyone who's a U.S. flag burner should be put in prison, Right. And the media just went off. They went crazy. They said, how dare you? You First Amendment, you can't say that. And then the entire day, they just complained and complained and complained about his tweet. And he just went off and was, like, working on legislation, working on executive orders. And he never was pushing any any sort of policy about that. But he knew that that would trigger these, these leftists so much that he just went and did it. Uh, secondly, uh, was, was the Trump tax returns that were sent to Rachel Maddow, MSNBC, oh. and she was hyping this up like it was going to be, oh my gosh, the second coming of Christ, the holy grail, we've got it, it's 
it's the the Trump tax returns, and they go and open it, and it, they find, oh, by the way, he actually paid uh, more in taxes than anyone on the Democrat Party, even most Republicans, and uh, he's been paying his taxes not only at, at uh, a legal clip, but probably even more so then. And then they finally drill down, and a couple days later they find, where were the, the tax returns sent from? Oh, by the way, they were sent from Trump Tower. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the little countdown clock on the side. I, I actually had uh, in my office. I had the uh, recorded that because I was we were doing the program. Doing the program. In fact, we might have even commented on it live. But nonetheless, it was great. El Capone's vault, uh, or Aldo Rivera. Um, yeah, absolutely amazing. Uh, Jack, biggest problem with uh, biggest problem that Donald Trump has today, I believe, are the inside enemies. Enemies inside the circle. Your thoughts? You're absolutely right. And so what we've got in the White House is this sort of infusion of RNC types, these never-Trumpers who came in, people who came in from the, the Hill, people, these staffers that were not part of the Trump campaign. They were not part of the Trump movement. They came in, and now they've got these positions within the White House. And even if they're not actually working against the Trump that are actually leaking classified uh, information to the media. You've got people that are leaking inside information. Just uh, find two more of these leakers. If you go to the website, got uh, new uh, Trump Johnson posted the article. Uh, and it's these low-level staffers every time because the head of directing, uh, the head of office of personnel for the White House is this guy, Johnny DeStefano. He's a former John Boehner staffer. Uh, he was—he he drove around John Boehner's golf cart for many years, as a matter of fact, to Rick Armstrong. So he finds himself installed by Ryan Priebus, and he's putting all of these staff roles, instead of finding people that were part of the American First agenda, part of the Trump campaign, he's going around and finding other just your run-of-the-mill RNC staffers that'll do as they're told and putting them in the White House where they're at best ineffective at pushing the Trump agenda and at worst actively working to obstruct it. That's a, a, a fantastic point. Uh, are we any? The one thing that's plagued this administration so far is the leaks. Are, is the White House or, or the Justice Department anybody any closer to finding the source of, of many of these leaks that are coming internally from the? We're White stopping House? finding and stopping. We we are we are, and so we're 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 combating them uh, as best we can. See, the problem is those the leaks typically come from low level staffers. So they'll have, you know, somebody for a congressman. There was at one point a congressman for Lindsey Graham, uh, a staffer for Lindsey Graham, who was a le his senatorial liaison to the White House. We found out that she was leaking information that she got from the White House. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like back in the day during, um, during Nixon and Watergate, they would have these staffers that would go in, uh, they would sit down and what, literally they would just write, walk into, you know, Henry Kissinger's office, whatever it was, write up whatever they had, and then go and fax it over to the Department of Defense, fax it over to the Joint Chiefs, fax it over to CIA. And so they could know uh, exactly what all of the president's members were up to, all the cabinet was up to on any daily basis. So that's what we're seeing now in the Trump administration is even his own staffers, even if we clean that all up, these liaisons, people coming in and out of the White House, they're also leaking. So what we've got to do is twofold. Number one, We've got to go after the leakers and make examples of them. Punish them, shame them, put them out, fire them when possible. 
If it's classified, absolutely, there should be prosecution for that because that is a federal crime under the Espionage Act. Secondly, what we've got to do is find the people that are coordinating these leaks. Find the people, the senators, the congressmen, whether it's Ryan Priebus who's pushing it, find them and explain to them what is going to be done unless these leaks stop. Yeah, and I wonder if the Trump administration was employing any strategies, you know, disinformation strategies, trying to fish out the leaks through disinformation, but we haven't really seen much of that. But I guess you've got to be careful at the same time, have it coming from the White House. Let's move forward here. The Mueller obstruction of justice probe, and the media has just gone, you know, off the rails with this thing. All this, you know, huff and puff, no evidence whatsoever, and now we find out that Mueller has all these ties to the Clintons, is hiring all these Clinton donors and former lawyers. Any concern from the White House that they're going to even manufacture something? Obviously, there's nothing there to come up with. But what's your thoughts on the obstruction charges that they're flaming around with? So my sources within the White House and the Department of Justice, they have told me that they have a serious concern with the breadth and bandwidth that Mueller is taking with this thing, as he was given a mandate to look into Russian hacking of the election and has turned it into some sort of witch hunt against President Trump. And so what they're looking to do now is, because obviously the optics from a political analysis standpoint would be very bad if the president was trying to shut down an investigation. Not to say that he's not within his legal rights to do so, as Alan Dershowitz has stated, certainly not a member of the alt-right, Mr. Alan Dershowitz, I might add. But what we're also seeing now from the White House is they're pointing out that there is already evidence of obstruction of justice, but it's not from the Trump administration. It's from Loretta Lynch, the former AG, who was putting pressure on James Comey to shut down the investigation of the Clinton emails. We're also now hearing that the Department of State is reopening an investigation, a reinvestigation into the Clinton emails. So I think all of the pieces, the ingredients are there for the White House to call for a special counsel into, essentially, Hillary Clinton and Loretta Lynch and to say, look, using your same standard, using your same standard of a special counsel for Team Trump, there should also be a special counsel for Team Clinton and possibly Loretta Lynch, which gives you Team Obama as well. So to basically say, look, if you guys keep pushing us, we will start calling for this and demand that you name one. So either you stick to the facts or there's going to be more and more and more investigations on both sides. And I think that's going to be my next question is, you know, we've seen so much of what Comey did and how he basically defended Hillary Clinton, Huma Abedin, how he continued to, and after the election, you know, said that, you know, they're good people, we're not going after them. I see a lot of people complaining that there isn't an investigation, an ongoing investigation into Comey's actions with Hillary Clinton. And as you just said, if it was held to the same standards, you know, she would be in a lot of trouble. Any inside knowledge or plans on actually launching investigations into with the new FBI director? I can say that, and I'm putting this out there the way that it was told to me, okay? Last week I heard, I got a single source report. And single source reports, that means I heard it from one person. I didn't hear it from anybody else yet. 
but it was a single source report where someone reached out to me, someone who is very deep within the Department of Justice, basically telling me that, and again, that's why I'm giving all these corollaries beforehand, because I'm not, you know, I got to say 50% probability on this, because it's not a source that I've worked with a lot in the past, but 50% chance that what he said was the Podesta investigation is open, that there is an open investigation into John Podesta, an active investigation into that, into his dealings, and as a matter of fact, that it may involve ties to Cuba, and that was right around the time that President Trump went to Little Havana and gave his Cuba speech that I was handed this report from that source. I can confirm this, Jack, not to interrupt you. I can tell you, I heard this on Thursday of last week. Really? Yes. All right, well, we've got some corroboration there. That's good. Yeah, I'm not sure what day you heard this. I heard this. It was the same day as the speech. Was that Thursday? I don't know. Right. In fact, Joe's going to look. And Podesta, yes, yes. So now Joe's going to look about the date. But this is really interesting, the fact that this is, yeah, okay, it's Friday. Yeah, we didn't coordinate this. I haven't talked to you about this. Yeah. Okay, well, his speech was Friday, so the 16th, and I heard this on. Okay. I can tell you right now, it was. And I caught a mention of it, but I didn't hear from a source, so I don't know. I saw that. It was the 15th. Mine was the 15th, right before showtime. So, you know, I don't know. And it was. Very interesting. I could source this out to a very reliable inside source within the, well, I'll just leave it at that. But, okay. So this looks, because what the hell? That's my thought about Hillary Clinton and about all these people that haven't been perp-walked yet and need to be perp-walked. Yeah, and I think from a political standpoint, the president understands and AG Sessions understands that given the highly scandalous nature of what that group was going up to, as well as the highly politicized environment that we're in right now, that they want to make sure that they have their case completely airtight before they start going public with any of this stuff, before charges start coming down. I mean, they can convene a grand jury in, you know, sort of in secret, but, you know, even then there's a chance of that leaking out. So what I would imagine is they're doing everything they can. And believe me, if the FBI wants to keep an investigation quiet, they know how to keep it quiet very, very well. I know that firsthand from my times I collaborated with them when I was in the Navy on different things. I was in intelligence. But, yeah, these guys, if they do have an investigation open, they're going to keep it very, very quiet until the day charges are filed. That's right. Now, Jack, you're going to be speaking at the rally against political violence on June 25th, correct? That's right. I'm holding the rally. We've got Roger Stone coming out. It's sponsored by Cernovich Media, Mike Cernovich. We're going to have Cassandra Fairbanks. We're going to have Anna Kate from Survivor is coming. We are potentially reaching out to Corey Stewart from Virginia to come by and a ton of other people, a ton of other patriots that want to come out. I've also, because it's not a political rally, and, you know, most of my Rolodex, you know, obviously is on the right, 
But I've also extended an invitation not only to Hillary Clinton and uh, CNN's Jake Tapper, who both live in D.C. in the Calorama neighborhood, but I am also inviting the entire cast of Julius Caesar to come and stand with us against political violence and political violent rhetoric in all of its forms this Sunday noon at the White House. That's marvelous. I, I wonder if you'll get RSVP back from the cast of uh, Sh- uh, Shakespeare. Yeah, I think they're coming. They're, they're all going to be there, definitely. Yes. Interesting. Wow. And so, so this is D.C., uh, June 25th, and, of course, we're going to put a link up in the program description. And, and uh, so so people, what time is that on Sunday? Uh, oh, right, at, right at noon on Sunday. Not noon, okay. Pro- probably run about two hours. All right. All right. Sounds good. All right. All right. We, we got about three minutes left with you. Citizens for Trump, the inside story of the People's Movement, Take Back America. That's your book just out. By the way, uh, the trolls are really out, you know, slamming. Uh, the the one stars on Amazon only, be, uh, but I'm going to tell you this is a, a a great book, folks. It's it's like a journal insight into the- yeah. It's funny. So yeah. So what 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 I found out was that uh, when David Brock and all of his people found out that I had a book out, they went and uh, put some money into Share Blue. Share Blue is their organization that uh, hires essentially these these paid trolls to go and do stuff. So they go and dropped a bunch of one-star reviews on my book, which I actually think is really funny because, wow, I made them that upset. Uh, you know, you'll go read it and be like, this guy is Russian. I can't believe his book is in English because we all know he's Russian. It's such cracking me up. So, because you can, but Amazon actually has a way to, to check for that. I didn't realize this is my first book. But they, on Amazon, when you go to Citizens for Trump and look at the reviews, you can actually view reviews by verified purchasers oh, yeah. of the book. So you can see, hey, these people actually purchased the book versus reviews by people who were just, you know, kind of paid the right stuff. But I take it as a badge of honor that I was able to upset David Brock and the, his henchmen and George Soros and everybody that much that they're, attack, they're attacking me for a book I released, I self-published on Amazon, which, oh, by the way, it actually just cracked the 10,000 rank on Amazon, which they're, I, they're told, I didn't realize this, but they're told that the 10,000 rank, that's unheard of for a self-published book. That's more books than most self-published authors do, especially for their first one. Uh, so I'm just, I, I it speaks to me to the message, the power of the message, and the fact that the Trump movement, uh, just like we saw in Georgia last night, is not going anywhere. Exactly, and fantastic. Your your book is fantastic, and I would urge everyone, folks, to grab a hold of uh, get a copy. Go to Amazon.com, get a copy. Citizens for Trump, um, and congratulations on that ranking. I I I held that ranking for about oh maybe fifth, uh, fifteen seconds on my book. So uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, you'll have to maybe. check after the interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but fantastic. Great job on the book. Uh, we loved it. Um, any closing thoughts to give you two minutes? Yeah, well, I would say you know probably the biggest things that we're seeing right now. So Georgia's election, right? You know, and we've all been talking about that. What you know, what does it mean? The Democrats. I actually, you know, I kind of said that the Democrats they're not a party anymore. Now we we have to point out the fact that they are a fringe group of bi-coastal elites that are taking money from left-wing billionaires, but apparently they've, they've forgotten how to win elections, which is something you actually have to do if you want to be a viable political force in the United States. So they've completely forgotten how to win elections because you really, they realize you can't run elections on we hate Trump, Trump's a Russian, and you guys are all liars. They've got no ideas. They're out of it. But at the same time, at the same time, there was a lot of motivation on the Democrat side. There was a lot of money that went on the Democrat side, $40 million. And a lot of people are laughing about the fact, oh, ha-ha, they spent $40 million and lost. But 
there are donors there. There is money there that's going to be going against Trump in 2018. And there's going to be money, and there's going to be all sorts of national forces that are allied against. And we're already we're already seeing it that they are focusing number one, their number one enemy of uh, and targets for the Democrats, the DCCC, the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee, is going to be pro-Trump Republican congressmen or pro-Trump candidates running against Democrats in these districts. So we need very much to have from the president. Uh, a clear list of accomplishments and a clear set of accomplishments by 2018. We want to see that wall getting built. We want to see more work on uh, these uh, uh, rolling back some of these amnesty programs like DACA and the Dreamers, uh, working very hard on the travel ban, more wins in the Middle East and North Korea, so that when people go into 2018, they can realize that the Trump agenda is getting through. The Trump agenda is getting pushed through infrastructure. I can't believe I missed that one. Yeah, infrastructure, the, that bill, which is getting worked on by Steve Bannon as we speak, uh, he's working very hard in putting together that $1 trillion uh, infrastructure bill. And what's great about that bill is that there isn't money in there for the borders of Afghanistan and Libya. It's for the United States. Fantastic. Jack Posobiec, thank you so much for joining us. We will talk with you and hope to have you on again in the near future. You have a great evening. Travel safe. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much, Citizen Trump. All right. Have a great night. We'll be right back after this break. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Masterpreps.com, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from cooking utensils, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Reporter family, masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Train Postman Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to aging major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HADMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Journeys kit at www.changepostonwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hey. 
Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. You know, do you ever have family that go on vacation or go away for, I don't know, a week, 10 days? You miss them, right? Well, Steve Quayle, I missed him. I missed him. My buddy, he was gone to Cusco, Peru, just back, fresh off his trip to Cusco, Peru. Uh, in fact, we talked this morning. Just so glad he's back. Uh, when I spoke with him, when I spoke with Steve Quayle, stevequayle.com, when I spoke with him, he said, man, I've got so much information. And... I know he does. So, without any further ado, unless Joe, do you, do you need to no, punch let's jump in right in. All right, let's jump right in. Steve Quayle, stevequayle.com. Glad you're back from Peru. Take it, my brother. Well, thank you. By the way, is Tim on with us now, or is he coming on in another half hour? No, Todd's bringing him on right now. He'll be with us from uh, now until nine thirty. Yeah, it's going to be a okay. Minute, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Well, first of all. Tim arranged this, uh, Timothy Alberino arranged this trip, and I've got to say it was mind-blowing in the fact that we got a personal uh, tour, and not only a tour, but a lesson in history by one of, uh, right now, the foremost explorer, adventure archaeologist in the world, Anselm P. Rambla. I'm not... Doug, excuse me. I'm not just going to share, and we're not just going to share about the True Legends uh, uh, conference that we had in Peru, but we're going to share some amazing discoveries with people that should cause them to actually put stuff into perspective. Richard Souter and others have talked about the underground tunnel systems. Uh, I've talked about it, especially the, the correlation between wherever you have a known, uh, well-developed or very um, uh, legendary tunnel system, there's either a military base, there's either a church, a uh, monastery, convent, or something over it to control the entrance to it. So we were fortunate to go into the Coricancha, which is one of the largest churches in Cusco, Peru, that is literally the entranceway into the uh, Chincana, which is the underground tunnel system, all the way to Saksaywama. Now, why Saksaywama is so important, that's probably the uh, most pronounced megalithic or what we would call cyclopean architecture site in the world. But in tracking this thing, we also found out that it appears to be the largest stargate in the world. So just as Mount Graham and the Lucifer Telescope have been under Vatican control looking to the skies and obviously looking for something that they know is coming, uh, the 
control of the Shinkana, the tunnel system that leads to Sacsayhuaman and beyond. And if you look at the celestial coordinates, it's mind-boggling. No one but someone with a heavenly, if you will, viewpoint, and I'm not talking godly, but I'm talking about something that came to Earth, could have laid it out more correctly. So what, what we were privileged to see, and I'm going to put this, uh, uh, I'm not going to put it, but I'm going to have my guy put it up on the website so you'll see it tomorrow. The picture literally of Anselm P. Rambla and Timothy Alberino standing in front of an altar in uh, the Coricancha, and that's spelled C-O-R-I-C-A-N-C-H-A, with literally the door that Anselm was given permission to, to go in searching for the Coricancha, I'm sorry, searching for the Chincana, and basically, Doug, when Tim comes on, I will have him go into greater detail. I'll deal with some stuff in the end. Tim is on. Okay, I'm going to yield to him. Tim, I just basically laid out Anselm. I'm going to post a picture of you and he standing in front of that altar thing uh, where he showed us the floor. So, you know, by the way, good job on the entire tour. And I think it's important that we share with people just some of the revelations that came out of it. So do you want to take it from there? Because, again, you're only on for an hour. I'm on for 90 minutes. So I want to let you speak until you need a break. Sure. Uh, thank you. Good evening, gentlemen. Um, we uh, we had a fantastic trip out in Cusco, and uh, one of the most astounding revelations that we received um, hanging out with Anselm P. Rambla, the Spanish, renowned Spanish explorer, uh, and some of the guys from his team, Boak Roos, some of the guys that are actually on his on his team in Cusco were with us, and we he he showed us. Uh, some of the work he's been doing over the last decade or so. And that work concerns, much of that work concerns Sacsayhuaman. Sacsayhuaman is a megalithic fortress. Well, it's really not a fortress, but it's what the, what it, it's what is referred to as a fortress. Many people, many of the, uh, mainstream archaeologists claim that Sacsayhuaman was built as a citadel by the, um, by the, uh, Inca, by the Inca, by the Inca, by the, by, uh, Pachacutec, the Incan king. But, there is not a single archaeologist that I've spoke with in Peru, uh, who will, who will say privately that the Inca had anything to do with the building of Sacsayhuaman or the other megaliths in Peru for that matter. Uh, they have no idea who built the walls of Sacsayhuaman. They know that the Inca could not have done it. Uh, these are private conversations I've had with both archaeologists, anthropologists, historians, um, and uh, men from other scientific disciplines in 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 Peru. And these are Peruvian gentlemen, and they privately will tell you publicly. They'll say, and in their dissertations and in their papers, publicly they'll say that the Sacsayhuaman and all the other megaliths in Peru were built by the Inca. But privately, they'll say, no way. There's no way the Inca could build them, and they'll usually. Uh, Usually they'll espouse the ancient aliens doctrine when talking about the walls of Sacsayhuaman. So it was very interesting to get the, uh, to get the perspective of a man, Anselm P. Ramla, who actually did excavations in, at Sacsayhuaman and in other places, uh, because most people who study the walls have never actually been privileged to dig into the soil around the walls. First of all, the fortress of Sacsayhuaman, what you see above ground, and what you see above ground is extremely impressive. But what you see above ground is only 15% of the entire complex, 15 to 20%. That means that 80% of Sacsayhuaman is still beneath the soils 
that uh, that were deposited, in our opinion, during the Great Flood. Um, in fact, the entire it's it's basically it, it looks as if it's sitting on a on a on a mountain, but it's not. It's an entire megalithic complex complex under the ground. In other words, 80% of that complex is buried under the ground, and Anselm was able to verify this with his excavations. But uh, what what was really intriguing, and I, and I guess what the bottom line is here concerning Sacsayhuaman, is that Anselm has determined through his investigations, and he shared this with us in Cusco, uh, that Sacsayhuaman is in fact a stargate, and the largest stargate on Earth. And that's why part of the reason why Cusco has been called for so long and for so many reasons the navel of the world. Now, what's important to understand about Sacsayhuaman is, again, not just what you can see today, what's still existent today, because those is only 15 to 20 percent of the wall is exposed today, and much of that wall has been disassembled at the higher levels, was disassembled by the Spaniards who used it to build their churches and other edifices that you find in the city of Cusco. But it's what's below that complex that is so important. And what's below Sacsayhuaman is a vast network of underground tunnels and caverns, both artificial and naturally occurring. And it's, it's basically an entrance, and, and Steve, I don't think that this is far-fetched to say, it's basically an entrance into the underworld beneath Sacsayhuaman. And connecting um, connecting to Sacsayhuaman, there is from the Kodi Kancha. The Kodi Kancha was the primary pal- was the primary temple of the of the of the Inca. That was, in fact, the Kodi Kancha was the center of the empire. It was literally the center of the empire, and it's where uh, the Inca held most their most important festivals and celebrations and sacrifices and everything that the uh, that, in fact, that's according to the chroniclers. That's where the Incan kings were entombed, was within the Kodi Kancha, within the what's called the Temple of the Sun, and they were actually mummified. The, the Incan kings were mummified, and they were sat inside of the they were set inside of the Kodi Kancha on gilded thrones, and they were they wore these these uh, bejeweled cloaks that were encrusted with jewels and. And, and other precious metals. And these were dead, mummified kings sitting inside of the Kodi Kancha because they were believed to be immortal. And every so often they would take, the, for certain ceremonies, they would take the kings out of the Kodi Kancha, the dead kings, the mummified kings, and they would parade them around the city of Cusco uh, as if they were still alive. So the, the Kodi Kancha was the center of the empire. The walls of the Kodi Kancha, of, the, of this Incan temple, were covered in plates of gold. There was, outside of the Kodi Kancha, there was a a garden uh, that was about five acres and it was filled with all kinds of gold and silver artifacts and these were depictions of flowers and birds and animals and corn the famous uh, stalks of corn that the leaves were made of pure gold and I'm sorry of pure silver and the actual corn itself was made uh, the actual head of corn was made of pure gold uh, there was so much gold in the Kodi Kancha that much of the famous ransom of Atahualpa, the ransom that the Incan king paid to be released by the Spaniards, came from the Kodi Kancha. And so this was, a, this was the center of the empire. This was the religious center point of the empire. And from the Kodi Kancha, from the Temple of the Inca, running from the Kodi Kancha to Sacsayhuaman, 
actually to, to the underworld below Saksai Woman, to the labyrinth below Saksai Woman, was a one mile long megalithic tunnel. And the, the walls of that tunnel were, were covered in megalithic cyclopean architecture. Extremely impressive megalithic cyclopean architecture. So imagine, uh, it's impressive enough to consider the, the megalithic architecture that is above ground in the Kodi Kanch and other places, but, but now consider megalithic architecture being constructed beneath the ground for one mile running beneath uh, the city of Cusco to the labyrinth beneath uh, the Saksai Woman, the fortress of Saksai Woman, what archaeologists call the fortress of Saksai Woman, but which we believe now, because of Anselm's work, was in fact a stargate. So I don't believe that the Inca built that tunnel, and I don't believe that the Inca built the temple of the Cancha, the temple of the sun. I believe that this, the whole complex, Saksai Waman and the, the, the megalithic foundations of the Cancha and all of the other impressive megaliths found in the city of Cusco were in fact built by an advanced culture in the world before the flood of Noah, the antediluvian world, the pre-flood world, that there was an advanced culture building uh, on, to great scale, very, very possibly giants, or at least giants might have been involved in the construction of this complex. Uh, and, and, so, and it was surely using an advanced form of, of masonry that, that has been lost to us because of the flood. So it's an, it, it is Saksaiwaman and Cusco and the Kodi Kancha and, and Cusco at large is, I believe, one of the most dynamic and important locations on the planet in terms of megaliths, in terms of giants, and in terms of the advanced civilizations uh, that existed in the world before the flood. So it was astounding to actually be there with Steve, with L.A. Marsuli, with Anselm P. Rambla and the rest of our crew and all of our guests uh, during the True Legends um, expedition and, and seminar. It was astounding to actually be on location um, receiving this revelation from Anselm and, and his team and his work that we were in fact standing in front of what what was very likely the largest stargate on earth. And Doug, one of the things that I think is very interesting is when we were being shown a presentation by Anselm, and ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be putting out uh, a DVD on this because it, there's just so much stuff to uh, share on a radio program. You really got to see it. But one of the things that just kept going over and over in my mind, there are unusual holes or unusual references to holes. And, and directly across from the big walls that you'll see, I'm posting all these uh, shots, photos, Tim, on my website daily. And I should have that one of you and Anselm standing and, and looking at the very thing on the floor, the doorway into uh, the Shinkana. But it looks like a step pyramid that's been filled in over the years. And what's fascinating about this is it's kind of like this. Imagine, if you will, a giant coliseum, circular, the field area is circular, and uh, or actually more oval-like. And imagine that the sounds that everyone's hearing around the world are preemptory. Now, some may be fake, some may be generated, but at some point, something opens and will open this. And I, I won't say this for sure, 
but I've been uh, praying, Doug, Joe, and Tim about this. Is this truly the entrance of the bottomless pit that opens up? If it is a navel of civilization, it was called that. I think Tim's got a, or was on YouTube, and maybe on my site, linkable still. There's a reason why all of the references to harmonic levitation, for those of you that ever bought uh, my book, True Legends, obviously that's the name of the series. Go to the back of the book, literally the back cover, and you'll see a giant, uh, if you will, uh, Incan or Mayan levitating rocks by using a, a strange system of basically acoustic levitation. This is not New Age, it is not spiritism, it is not mysticism. It's the same principle in which UFOs and other unidentified flying objects and reverse engineered flying objects work doing uh, by generating electrogravity. Grab, I'm sorry, the word, electrogravitics, there we go. And what else is really important is this. Uh, Tim and I uh, in L.A. met with uh, Brian Forrester. He's convinced these things are giant machines, and with good reason. Now, obviously, to get a feel for this, we're going to be reconstructing this with one of the, uh, I think, the premier concept artists in the world. And uh, if you've seen uh, Holocaust of Giants, uh, many of the stills, the motion graphics in there were done by our artists. And uh, by the way, Tim, he's working on Saksay Waman right now. And Tim's in, by the way, he's in another part of Ohio, and I'm in Bozeman, so we're not sitting in the same studio. So I, I don't get to talk to him except when I'm on the air very much, unless we email each other. But I'm going to encourage people, if you want the heads up, now look, we're not following anybody on YouTube, we're not stealing anybody's stuff, although, you know, our stuff, Doug, is stolen and printed, and thank God, Rhonda, bless you for finding all these pirates, but the thing is, is that, I'm telling you this, there was such a sense of awe that we're not, we're not, we're not looking at old history, we're previewing one of the most important uh, contemporary events yet to come, and by the grace of God and through his mercy, I'm telling you, we're, we're absolutely on the cusp of multiple revelations breaking out all over the world, and the powers that be, Doug, will not be able to contain it. It's amazing, man. Yeah. And so, so again, here's the thing. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to get a copy of our, um, you know, uh, DVD series. This isn't a pitch, but we, we've, we've got to take you from where we left off uh, in the Holocaust of Giants to what we're talking about. Because, again, uh, it is so important. The Unholy Sea has to be the the most important, I'd say, DVD until the Holocaust of Giants came out. And, Doug, it seems like God is giving us precept upon precept, revelation upon revelation. And, look, we pray about this stuff. We had a miracle. And, Tim, I want you to explain, you know, number one, we also have a propensity getting in trouble. So we were in the Coricancha, and... uh, you know, you could tell that uh, Rome's finest were there. I'm not making fun of any Catholics. I'm talking about their intelligence service because they did not want us to film. Fortunately, God had arranged for the same uh, prior. What is it, Tim? Uh, Father Gamara. What was he when he gave uh, uh, Anselm the privilege, or the right to dig there? Uh, what do you call he, the head? He guy, was. He was. Know? He was the prior. The uh, the prior refers yeah. to the head to the uh, head okay. Dominican at that particular uh, cathedral. Yeah, now listen to this. Now, I'm just going to say this, and you take it from here. 
we were told that Father Gamara, the head prior, former guy that had given uh, Anselm permission, wasn't in there. He wasn't to be found. And that was by the guy wearing probably, my guess, $2,000 suit, probably a $500 tie, earpieces. And, I, I, you know, I know the difference between head spooks and little spooks. This guy was a head spook. So, Tim, take it from there. I mean, it were, were Anselm. Go ahead. Well, we had unprecedented access uh, to the to the Coricanja, but specifically to the Cathedral of Santo Domingo, uh, which is connected to the Coricanja, actually sitting on top of it. And the whole area, the convent, the cathedral, the Coricanja itself, is all now owned by the Vatican, specifically by the Dominican Order, and has been since the since since right after the conquest of the city of Cusco by Francisco Pizarro. So. Uh, and you are, it is strictly forbidden to film inside of any Catholic church in Peru, especially inside of the, uh, the Church of Santo Domingo. And, uh, so we, and we went, the first time we went and we filmed, um, for the, for the Unholy Sea, we had to do it undercover. Um, the, this time we had a group of about 40 people. Everybody had cameras and cell phones. We had our professional camera crew and our professional cameras and, tripods and all the paraphernalia of a camera crew and we walked in um, with Anselm P. Ramla and began to film and Anselm began to uh, show us, take us around the church and show us everywhere he excavated inside the church, primarily where he excavated and discovered uh, where he had gone down into the into the, uh, excuse me, into the into the um, Shinkana in 1982, and then where he came back in the year 2000 to resume, to, to actually do a, a professional excavation to open the Shinkana. And if you've seen our second film, you know exactly what we're talking about. So um, it, he showed us exactly where he was, what he was doing, and um, we were able to stand there with Anselm and film the whole thing. And uh, it was absolutely fascinating because you, there's no way you can walk in with a group of 40 people and cameras without uh, without having somebody like Anselm P. Ramla with you. And so we filmed for a while, and then we and then finally the uh, um, some of the security guys showed up and wanted us to turn the cameras off. But Anselm um, was uh, speaking with 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 great authority because he had he knows he knew all of the Dominicans at the time and in, in, in 2000, many of whom were still there. And he was demanding to see Father Gamara, who was a good friend of his, who was the head of the of the Dominican order in Cusco during the time in which he was doing his excavation. So um, we were able to film a whole lot. It was, it, was, it was fascinating, and I know those who were on the trip agreed that it was absolutely fascinating, and, and, and those who, who were on this trip got to be a part of something that will never happen again. I mean, that was, um, it was unprecedented access uh, with Anselm P. Ramla. And then to top it all off, these guys told Anselm that Father Gamara was no longer around. He wasn't in the city of Cusco anymore, and that he, he couldn't be contacted. And they lied right to his face because um, after a while, Anselm finally, uh, well, I don't even think they told him anything. We just, we just, we agreed to turn the cameras off after we had filmed everything we wanted to film. We walked out of the uh, out of the Church of Santo Domingo and we walked next door, which is still part of the church property, the Coricancha, which was the interior of the Coricancha. We walked in with our camera crew, which you 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 don't just walk into the Coricancha with a camera crew either, but we did. And during the course of our filming, Father Gamara shows up. And Father Gamara at this point in time, I think is 70-some years old. And uh, I think he's in his mid to late 70s. And he shows up in his uh, in his Dominican robe. 
and uh, it was Anselm hadn't seen Father Gamada for for I think 15 years, and so it was this just this amazing uh, reunion. It was a very heartwarming, emotional me- reunion between Anselm P. Ramla and Father Gamara, and they they embraced and 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 uh, Father Gamara welcomed us and and um, uh, and told us uh, that uh, and Anselm told us that uh, Father Gamara was the reason why uh, excavations were ever even begun and had ever had ever begun in the Kodi Kancha in the first place. And it's true, Father Gamara opened the door, Father Gamara. Uh, unlike many of the other, unlike many of the other uh, agents uh, of Rome in Cusco, wanted the truth concerning the the, the Concha to be known. Now let me explain something. The knowledge of the Concha, uh is only passed was only passed down by the Dominicans from prior to prior. In other words, from head Dominican to head Dominican. Uh, you, the lay Dominicans, the the the, the uh, I'm sorry, the the Dominican priests. Um, were not privy to the information concerning the Shinkana. Only the head Dominican, the prior, uh, had access to the library, him and a few others, and, and had, uh, and the knowledge of the Shinkana was passed down from prior to prior. So in other words, when a new Dominican, uh, when a new Dom- head Dominican was appointed and brought into the, to the, uh, Church of Santo Domingo, the previous prior, the prior that was handing off this, this scepter of authority, if you will, briefed, would brief the, the, the incoming uh, uh, head priest concerning the Shinkana. And, and it's important for everybody to know that the Shinkana, according to, uh, according to traditional uh, history, according to conventional history, conventional archaeology, the Shinkana and the underground world beneath Cusco is a myth. It's a wives' tale. It's a legend. There's nothing true about it, and it's it's uh, it's a conspiracy theory. But Anselm P. Ramla proved back in in uh, 2000 that in fact it was it was not a myth. It was real, and you have to understand the implications of the Shinkana being real, because what you're talking about is this vast labyrinth, this vast underworld hidden beneath the soils of the Andes Mountains that exists. And, and, and not only the, the, not only is there legends of this vast underworld, there's also many legends concerning the entities that inhabit it. So it's a, it's a massive, the implications are absolutely massive concerning the Shinkana. So there we are standing in the Church of Santo Domingo with, with Anselm P. Rambl embracing, uh, his old friend Father Gamada. And Father Gamada looks at the camera. He looks right at the camera and he makes this statement, which is, which is, it is historic. I mean, we witnessed history being made in the Coricancha. He looked at the camera and he said, the Shinkana is here. And he pointed down. The Shinkana is here. Now that is a closely guarded secret passed from prior to prior and he's looking our groups but at our group of 40 people and he's looking into our camera and he is disclosing to the world that the shinkana is real and it is here it is beneath the soils of the kodakancha and that's an explosive statement because again of the implications associated with it now remember there are the the, the, the term shinkana the term shinkana in general refers to the underworld Beneath the Andes. Now that's tunnels, that's caverns. Some of those tunnels are artificially occurring. Some of those tunnels are are are, are naturally occurring. Um, but it's the it's the massive labyrinth beneath the Andes Mountains, and specifically there's a there's a a tunnel that goes from the Coricancha to beneath Sacsayhuaman. That's the one 
that the priors have known about. In fact, Anselm P. Rambla has had – go ahead. Tim, hold that thought. We, we're up against the break. Folks, we're talking with Tim Alberino and Steve Quayle, both back from a trip uh, in Peru. And fascinating uh, what, what you just laid out, Tim, uh, the misdirections, the lies that you guys were given, and then to find exactly what you were looking for and be told what you already uh, believed to be true by the man who would know best. We're going to pick up right where we left off on the other side. Folks, you're listening to this edition of the Hagman Report. Don't go anywhere. Doug Hagman, Joe Hagman, together we are the Hagman Hagman Report, America's premier father of son investigative reporting team. Our guests, Steve Quayle, stevequayle.com, and Tim Alberino, just back from Peru. Very interesting program indeed. Bob Griswold, contact him at uh, Ready, I'm sorry, Ready Made Resources. Can't even keep my coffee from uh, spilling readymaderesources.com that's readymaderesources.com he's got a special right now a communication special he's offering two BF F8 HP UHF VHF ham radio kits this is a special offer uh, two of the radios two throat mics two antennas um, and it goes on and on and on go to ready uh, readymaderesources.com click on now, you, you click on Outdoor, right? Uh, and then go to Communications Equipment, and you'll see it in the product description right there. That's readymaderesources.com. Click on Outdoor, and then Communications Equipment. It's a fantastic special. And if you have any questions whatsoever, the live chat is online. Or give them a call. Simply that. Give them a call at 800-627-3809. Let's get back to Steve Quayle and Tim Alberino. Steve, we're going to kick it over to you, sir. I don't know if I can uh, effectively stress the importance of this. We were flat out lied to and lied to our face. And this Father uh, Father Gamara being able to meet Anselm was a pretty moving thing. I actually have photos, Tim. Tim hasn't seen the thousand photos I took, literally, not of just this event. But uh, you could see two incredible men embracing each other, and they were both weeping because, again, this man, uh, Father Gamara, who was a head prior, was removed from office because somebody got really nervous. Uh, and so, Doug, here's what I, I want to get people to understand. We're undertaking, and but this is no understatement, and do, it's because of the grace of God. You know, He chooses the foolish things to confound the wise. We're taking on the biggest subject, i.e. giants, i.e. stargates, i.e. core reality, and and. You know, if it wasn't for the people that buy our DVDs, we couldn't do this because it takes a lot of money. And, I mean, a lot of money, and, and, and you know, to run film teams all over the world. I want people to go to True Legend, Legends, plural, the series.com, because they can watch the Holocaust of Giants on Vimeo. They can um, stream it. They can stream it as many times as they want. The same thing for the Unholy Sea. And right now, what is unfolding, and I shared this 24 years ago on talk radio, I said one of the biggest wars in history that's going to come is going to become by within the Catholic Church between the traditional Catholics and between the uh, uh, desire of the Luciferians or the anti 
Pope uh, forces to overthrow all religious traditions of historic Catholicism. I'm not, I'm not praising it. I'm just saying, you know, 24 years ago, man, they thought I had four eyes instead of three. But the point is, is that what, what we're undertaking literally, and, and we relish your prayers, and we're undertaking some of the, uh, the most unbelievable, you know, I've talked to a lot of people, some very wealthy, and I pray that God touches their hearts to get behind this because we are we're out there and Tim and these the film crew lays their life on the line. This is not being melodramatic, but what just transpired in Cusco, Peru last week and was witnessed. I, I think I understand now, Tim, the conference. No one can ever say that was made up. The biggest lie in the world, one of the biggest lies in the world is uncovered. And the reason they want to cover the lie or lie and cover up the tunnels is because they lead all over the world. Now let me share this how it ties into Antarctica for for literally myth and legends of legendary times there's always been associated this vast underground tunnel system that runs worldwide even Greg Evenson and some of his military contacts remember when I think I was on your show and they were talking about some of these things broke free and were in the tunnels headed to South America now I don't have any current updates but I will tell you this that something is going to trigger a form of energy is going to be released. I'm not talking metaphysical. I'm talking literal energy, maybe unknown to us at this time. I don't know if it's a cosmic ray bombardment or whatever that's going to trigger the opening of Sacsayhuaman. And if you notice all the stories coming out about these energy waveforms coming from Antarctica, they're headed right towards the coast of uh, uh, South America. A lot of it heads towards the uh, uh, west coast of South America. But I have another uh, interesting revelation. I've been praying about this, and Tim, you and I even haven't, haven't talked about this. When Cain slew Abel, the, the, the scripture records that a righteous Abel's blood cried out, cried out. Now, we know that there have actually been studies done on the frequency of blood. When, and, and literally, you know, in, in Genesis chapter 4, it goes into amazing detail about that. And why this is critical, and let me just read this real quick. And he said, this is God speaking to uh, Abel after he uh, has slain Cain. And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now thou art cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall uh, not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth, okay? The idea here, though, is basically, uh, uh, verse 10, the brother's blood crieth out unto me from the ground. Now, Tim did a great job of ex explaining. Uh, one thing that people forget is this was one of the most ruthless and bloody civilizations in the world. And and I, I can't calculate it because I don't know the frequency of blood uh, drying, but imagine, Tim, 
if all of the ritual sacrifices, obviously because of the blood cannibalism, etc., but imagine the combined frequency of that. In essence, I'm suggesting that their legends told them that it was uh, specific forms of, of sound that would literally open the ground. So, again, I, I haven't even gone further than that. I actually, Doug, you'll find this interesting. I was praying before I went on the radio. I said, Lord, show me something I've never seen before. And for the record, I've never thought that thought before. Tim? Well, I find that quite provocative, that thought, because uh, the it, it, it seems to me, having studied the, the Incan Empire and the fall of the Incan Empire, which is a, an incredible read, if you ever want to read something that's... If you ever want to read a true historical account that's better than any movie you've ever seen, read the read the fall of the Incan Empire, read the, the invasion of the Spaniards, the whole story, the whole historical account as detailed by the chroniclers uh, concerning the invasion of Peru and the fall of the Incan Empire. It's absolutely fascinating. But uh, it, it seems to me that the, the coming of the Spaniards um, was, uh, it, it, it seems it was divine providence, and I don't mean in the sense that they believed. It wasn't a divine, it, it, they weren't divinely mandated by the Holy Catholic Church, by the Vatican and the Crown of Spain to go and take over the land of, uh, of Peru, to take the land of Peru from the Incans and subdue the Incan people. But I believe that, you talked about the blood crying out, I believe that uh, the, the Incan Empire had, had, had descended to such uh, such a degree of bloodlust and bloodletting and, and paganism that the hour for their destruction had come, that the cup was full and it was time for their destruction. And that, and if you read again, if you read the historical historical account of the fall of the Incan Empire, uh, you'll see what I mean because it was just absolutely mind blowing the way that the Inca, this great massive, the, the largest empire on, on earth at the time how it just crumbled to pieces, uh, how it fell in a, in a domino effect, uh, one thing leading to another, and the, and the empire was literally captured by 168 conquistadors. And we're talking about an empire that could field uh, 200,000 soldiers fell to 168 conquistadors. Um, and it, it, it's, it's just a bizarre story, fascinating story. So I do believe that you're onto something there, Steve, that, that their cup had run over, that their, the, the, that the transgression of the Inca was complete. And, and the hour had come for their, for their demise. And I'll go further and I'll say this, that, um, that the, the Inca, the, the Inca had among them, uh, the a, a priest order, a very se and a secret society of priests almost, and and these were called the Almautas, the Amautas, and the Amautas were the great teachers, the wise men of the Inca. They were the keepers of the knowledge, um, and among them were the Kipu Kamayus, which were the keepers of Kipus, uh, the the only form of communication written or or encoded communication that the Inca possessed. And the Amautas, having studied the, 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 the history of the conquest and then looking into some of the traditions of the Inca themselves and then talking to guys like Anselm Pirambla, I am absolutely convinced that the Inca Amautas and perhaps even the Incan pre, uh, emperors uh, were in contact with non-human entities residing in the Shinkana and that that was part of the reason why their empire had descended into such bloodlust and and uh, and into such paganism. Now, uh, if you go to Peru today, 
you will get this fable. You'll be told this fable, and it will be presented to you in the many uh, representations and the paintings and the the music and and all of the tradition of the Inca will be uh, will be um, will will seem to be benevolent. That this was a wonderful, highly advanced, uh, loving culture. Uh, that just wanted peace and tranquility and so forth. That couldn't be further from the truth. The Incan Empire, much like the Empire of the Aztecs and the Maya before them, were was a was a totally despotic kingdom. It was all about, it was a blood cult. It was a it was absolutely a blood cult. There was a ruling elite and only the ruling elite, the nobles, those who were of the blood royal. Only they were Inca. They were the only ones who were called Inca. The other native tribes did not have the right to be called Inca, were not Inca. Uh, they were part of the empire. They were subjugated by the Inca. But the Inca themselves, the blood royal, the royal blood of the Inca, were the only ones uh, who could bear that uh, epithet. They were the only ones. And there's a reason for that. It was a blood cult. In fact, the Incan kings, the Incan emperors, and the Incan nobles would marry their sisters in order to preserve the bloodline. This was a blood cult, very reminiscent of the blood cult of the Nazis that would that would come later on in history, and of course reminiscent to many of the blood cults that existed before the Inca. So this wasn't something new. This was the, a repetition of something very, very old. In fact, the religion of the Inca was a sun cult, and this is that old that the most the the the, the most ancient uh, of occult rites, which was the worship of the sun and the serpent, and this was. This was certainly the religion of the land uh, of, in the Incan Empire, as it was in the Aztec and Mayan empires. The sun and the serpent. This was the duality. This was the dual deities of the sun and the serpent, uh, of Inti, the sun god, and Veracosha, the serpent god. And Veracosha in Peru is depicted, in many cases, as a man. Sometimes you'll find him depicted as a bearded man with blue eyes and blonde hair and so forth. Very much like Kukukan, the Maya, and Quetzalcoatl, Quetzalcoatl of the of the Aztecs. So this is the, this is the same group of entities that are interacting with these civilizations. They're interacting with them and they're giving them te technology and knowledge that was forbidden. It was knowledge that came from the world before the Great Cataclysm, before the flood of Noah. So I believe that these were exiles uh, from the world. Uh, uh, from the antediluvian world, from the world before the Great Flood, that were teaching, that were in communication with the Inca elite in, in, in Peru and with other native tribes, especially the Aztec and the Maya in Central America. By the way, the fall of the Aztec is, is uh, it's almost parallel, although it happened a generation before, it's almost parallel to the fall of the Incan Empire. I mean, it's astounding the similarities that you find between the two. And, and, and that you find not only between the fall of those empires, but between the empires themselves. The Central American empires, I'm sorry, the Central American empire, the Aztec empire, was much more overtly bloody, uh, was much more overtly pagan. But the Incan empire, as I said, was about the Inca elite. It was about the elite household, the royal bloodline, and preserving that royal bloodline. The Inca did not look like the tribes they subjugated. Many of the depictions of the Inca show them as having a paler skin, even mustaches in some, in, in, in some depictions. And these are historical depictions. These are not modern uh, depictions, but, uh, but ones from, from the time of the conquest and, and, and after the conquest. So there's something very strange going on with the Inca, with the, with the Inca elite, with the, with the royal bloodline. And I believe, as I said, I believe that the, the Amautas, the, the great mass 
masters of, of, of uh, among the priests, the, the high priests and the keepers of the traditions and the oral traditions and the knowledge were in fact in contact with non-human entities residing in the Shinkana beneath the Andes Mountains. And that those say, very same entities were also in contact with the Aztec, the priests of the Aztec, and the nature of those entities, although you'll hear many, many people out there um, saying that the, the, the nature of these entities is benevolent and wonderful, and these are great entities, the nature of these entities can be clearly seen in the, in the nature of the cultures that they influenced uh, vis-a-vis the, the, uh, the Aztec and the, Inca, and the Incan Empire, which were bloody, which were despotic, uh, these were these were tyrannical kingdoms. These were kingdoms, both of them, which uh, worshipped the sun and a form of Viracocha. Viracocha in 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 the in the land of the Inca and in the empire of the Inca, Kukulcan and Quetzalcoatl in the land of the Maya and the Aztec. These are the same entities. These are the same beings that are communicating uh, with these empires. And God saw fit within two generations to bring them both to not, to destroy them, to annihilate them off the face of the earth uh, in, in an extraordinary fashion. And that would lead in, Doug, to the idea that their blood cries out from the ground. Also, Numbers exactly. 1332. Exactly. I'm sorry? I just said precisely. Um, That's exactly what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I'm sorry. But and, and listen, everyone, the photo of Timothy Alberino and Anselm P. Rambla in the Corey Concha is now up on my website. Please go to Photo of the Day. You've got to understand what we're telling you. When Jesus said he's going to give us the keys to the kingdom, he's going to give us the keys to the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of darkness is going to fight back. And one of the reasons we do this, I get this all the time, Doug, what does this have to do with salvation? Everything. When God gave his promise to Joshua and Caleb to take the land, they had to do one thing, they had to dispossess the land of the giants. The giants were cannibalistic, bloodthirsty pagans who hated the living God. What we have now are the bloodthirsty pagans coming from all over the world, practicing cannibalism, practicing drinking blood. It's going from ritual vampirism to literal vampirism. And just as Joshua and Caleb, this is the word of the Lord, the people of God are going to have to dispossess the land that God has given the people of God, the Christians, their inheritance, they're going to have to fight the good fight of faith, and it will be the power of God, the same power of God that drove the giants out of the uh, uh, promised land. They went to Sardinia, and then they went all over the world, bringing their tyranny, their thirst for blood, and that's how big this project is. So please, those of you who have the ability, pray about helping us, because we already have, uh, you know, uh, our, our next advanced team out on the trail of live giants. Now, I know that. They, I'll believe it when I see it. You don't understand, ladies and gentlemen. It's the prayer of the intercessors. It's it's the faith of those. I want to thank everybody that went to the conference in Cusco because you were a part of history being made. You weren't looking back in history. You were looking, if, if anything, the historic past is nothing more than a mirror to the future. So what I'm saying, you know, Tim, and you get this too, I mean, you know, if we compared our emails, there'd be nothing left to do. There'd be no time left to work in the day. But this is huge, pun intended. And so, you know, please go to 
the photo of the day, stevequail.com, and here's what I wrote to him. I said, the doorway into the underground tunnel system at the Coricancha, the Shinkana that leads to Sacsayhuaman, the largest stargate in the world, is shown to the True Legends Conference attendees in Cusco, Peru. There is no way that Father Gamara could have been there at this exact time that the crew was there, the film crew. There was no checking schedules. This was an, a sovereign act of God. So I would just tell everyone this. We are uh, presenting by the grace of God, and I want to thank you for your intercession for Timothy Alberino, for myself, and for those of us who are involved in this. Anybody who's ever bought a DVD of ours, thank you. Anybody who's ever bought a book, True Legends, thank you. And I want everyone to go on truelegendsaseries.com. And, and I'll say this. We had no idea of everybody that was there. But I will tell you one thing. Some of the people that were there were of, uh, and I say this, world-class wealth, okay? Not one of them offered to help us. I'm not, I'm not complaining, okay? But even then, even though we didn't know at the time who was there, you know, it was astonishing to have God. And, and Tim, I thought about this, too. We had people uh, from South Africa there. We had people, a couple from uh, Australia, uh, London, and Moscow. Doug. This is a thing that only God can arrange. And, I mean, again, you know, it's kind of tough to jump for joy at uh, Cusco. Cusco's what, Tim, almost 11,000 feet? Yeah, yes. Yeah, and so, so the thing is, is please get involved with us. Please help us. Because, look, here's the deal. I, I, I said to the Lord, God, I'm not going to, you know, I can't open anybody's eyes. You can. But if you, you know, those of you who are listening that can. By the way, one of the frustrations I've had is finding somebody who wouldn't give up on the geoglyphs at Tiwanaku. Tim and I, uh, you know, talked about that on different radio shows, Coast to Coast, Doug's show, the Hagman and Hagman Report, other shows. And I, I took on two math geniuses who said they could do it. In about two weeks, they gave up. One guy from South Africa, God bless you, Sean, uh, comes on a trip and he says, I'll do that for you. My specialty is 3D modeling in space. And so, you know, we're going to show you what the late David Flynn, and possibly, possibly, excuse me, it wasn't God's timing we tried to do that, but the point being is that somebody from South Africa meets Timothy Alberino and myself and the film crew in uh, Cusco, Peru, and the very guy I've been, you know, scouring the earth for shows up and basically says, I can do that for you. So is that not a blessing also, Tim? You know, again, I, I, I don't, I lack the words to explain to people how significant this is. And by the way, if any of you want to put up the money necessary for the expedition and you're in physical enough shape to keep, keep, keep up with Tim, you can go, you know, only with a doctor's thing. This is not a, this is not a uh, join the expedition if you can't keep up. This is for somebody who can step up and then you can step in to the shoes that this film crew has to go to. I will say this, when we were in Cusco, Peru, the safety of the group was absolutely tantamount. And, and some of the coolest people in the world, we had one lady I think was either 75, 77, Man, she had more spring in her step than, than anybody I've ever seen. And, and the people from around the different places in the world. But it was, it was fascinating, the cross-section of the people that joined. So 
If you want to get involved in a major way financially and you want to go on the expedition, you know, in essence, you'll be taking your orders. And, and uh, Tim, one of the guys that uh, was with us, you know, you know who, with a son, basically offered to go and just be a mule for two weeks, you know, three weeks. And so anyway, the thing is, is that a mule meaning someone to carry all the heavy camera equipment. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, true legends, I don't have a name for it yet, but we will be putting out something, you know, probably not a two-hour thing, but something on this Peru trip because it's that important. Uh, Tim, are you going to be able to stay through the half hour, or are you going to go? Uh, no, I can to, stay. Uh, I can stay. Oh, terrific, Tim. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we're, so we're about uh, four minutes. We have, we have about okay. four minutes to the bottom. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, Tim. Take it from there. Please go to the Steve Quayle photo of the day and see what we're talking about. Go ahead, Tim. Yeah, I just want to say that it was an excellent trip, and um, uh, there's no way, like as you were saying, Steve, there's no way that the uh, that the the chance meeting in 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 the Cody Concha with Anson P. Ramla and with uh, Father Gamara was was happenstance. I mean, that was uh, the, the the whole thing felt providential. And um, we would love to do some more of these in the future. And I know a lot of the people who are on the trip are begging us to do another one. Uh, it was it, it was a lot of work, but it was phenomenal. I, I consider it to, to have been a complete success. And um, I mean, it was it was usually when you when you launch something right out of the gate, the first time you launch something, you have all kinds of problems. Everything that can go wrong goes wrong. This trip was the opposite. I mean, we had everything went smoothly. Everything everything worked worked uh, perfectly. And um, it was a lot of work, but but we didn't have any problems. We didn't have any major health concerns, um, and uh, it was uh, it was just a wonderful time to get to know all of those people. Some of whom I'm sure are listening tonight. Uh, we had a great time. We had a, we had a amazing group of people, and um, from all walks of life. In fact, uh, Anselm P. Ramla uh, was uh, commenting to me over and over, especially at the end of the trip, how impressed he was with our audience how impressed he was with the group of people that had assembled in Cusco uh, he was he was moved he was deeply moved by uh he said he kept telling me that this, this this doesn't feel like a group of strangers this feels like a family and uh, so it it was it was very um it, it left a, a a very good impression on Anselm P Ramla who knows all kinds of people from all over the world and and for a guy like that to be impressed with with a, with our small group that was really a, a great compliment not only to to me and Steve but to our audience at large and specifically that audience um that we had with us that group that we had with us in Cusco so uh we are considering doing some more of these and so I encourage you to, to keep uh, tracking with us because as soon as we put one together, we'll announce it here on the Hagman Hagman program. And and um, and this is uh, these are these are trips uh, that uh, are are unforgettable. And I think that this one certainly was, and the and, and, and the future ones that will be coming are, are I believe are going to be just as dynamic. Fantastic. And I just got to say this, Doug, that literally the most exciting thing I've ever done, and it would take, it, it took something like this to get me out of the country, you know, and I mean that in a, in a, a glorious way because I would have missed out in what I believe is, pun intended, a key moment in history, and I thank God that Tim is persistent. And by the way, we had uh, just a 
amazing open doors. Let me just share this too, Tim. Steve, oh, hold on, Steve. Oh, hold on, okay. Steve. We're okay. up against it. Yeah, just hold that thought. I want to hear this on the other side. You're listening to the Hagman Hagman Report. Steve Quayle. Steve Quayle and Tim Alberino, just back from Peru. Stay right where you're at. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. There shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Masterpreps.com, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from cooking utensils, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Erickson. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Train Close in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinal to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HADMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either, but they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Armies kit at www.changewithandwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our final segment 
on this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our guests are Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com and Timothy Alberino. They both just returned from their trip to Peru. Uh, yeah, thanks, Eric. True Legends uh, is True Legends the series. Thank you, Eric. True Legends the series. Aren't you glad you mic'd up? I'm glad he mic'd up. There you go. We got uh, um, Tim Alberino and Steve Quayle with us uh, through the rest of the segment. Steve, I'll turn it back to you. You were... Uh, yeah, you were, we were we right interrupted. Middle, yeah, right in the middle of a thought. Well, uh, you know, again, when we were in Agua Calientes, and again, Tim, that's the best I can do, I learned, like, words in Spanish from Tim, and it was funny trying to see me and Anselm P. Ramla talk, and I was drawing pictures in the air and everything, and fortunately, he, he, he understands, <coughs> excuse me, Doug, English better than, uh, you know, I speak any Spanish, none at all. But what was fascinating is we were walking out of our hotel up to the little town of Agua Calientes on the right side of the um, boulevard across from the hotel is a flying saucer, a concrete flying saucer that looks exactly like the Nazi flying saucer. And I'll be posting a picture of that in the next couple days. I want to share something. I want to be obscure, Tim, and not explain this for obvious reasons. But Anselm believes that because of this meeting, and I won't go into detail, okay, I have to be obscure to honor him. The prophecies of, of uh, when everything's going to be revealed is when the condor meets the eagle. Again, when the condor meets the eagle. I can't tell you what those are, and I'm, you know, when I give my word, I give my word, but it appears the condor has met the eagle. Uh, Tim, do you want to take it from there? I mean, go wherever you want. By the way, the antipode for Cusco, Peru, good night, watch me murder this name, but is in La La Gaia Live, or G-I-A-L-A-I, Vietnam. Interesting. Interesting. The antipode, you draw a line straight through the earth, you end up in Vietnam. I wanted to, to know that. But go ahead, Tim, because, I mean, this is exciting, Doug. This is exciting, Joe. I mean, we try, we photograph, we do the videos, and, and yet I don't think people, I pray people get it. I really do. Go ahead, Tim. Well, one of the things that struck me, Steve, and that became exceedingly apparent to me, uh, during this trip and, and, and has been resonating in my spirit since we've gotten, since we've returned is the fact that we are on the cusp. We really are on the cusp of, uh, let's call it the alien revelation. And obviously people know where Steve and I come from. We come from the biblical worldview. We don't believe that there are any friendly aliens that, uh, uh, that the messengers of God, the angels are our allies and that these other entities are in fact our enemies. And, but, but we are on the cusp of a revealing of some kind. And I believe that we're, we're, we're going to be getting in, in, on the earth into some trouble, some major trouble worldwide, whether it be some kind of a nuclear threat or something. Um, you know, something that would threaten the, 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 the entire earth, that would terrorize the entire earth, and then they appear to save us. And and they will not, I don't believe that they're appearing, they, these entities that have been interacting with civilizations for many, many uh, thousands of years, and actually for, definitely for hundreds of years, going all the way back to the flood, that, that their appearing is going, to be some, that there is going to be some kind of a grotesque display, a frightening display. I think that it's going to be the opposite. I think we're dealing with angels of light. Uh, and when I say that, I mean masquerading 
as angels of light, entities that are masquerading as angels of light. That that brings to mind a, a fabulous book on alien alien abductions by a woman named Carla Turner, who wrote a book called Masquerade of Angels, which is uh, I, I encourage people to read that book, Masquerade of Angels by Carla Turner, which which really does address with what what I'm saying right now that there is going to be a masquerade of angels very soon. And these beings are going to present themselves as benevolent, as the saviors of mankind. They, they may even claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. And we are very close to, to this revealing, to this revelation. I believe that um, there are different factions of entities on the earth interacting with the human race and have been for some time. I believe that the United States government is even now and has been for a while interacting with non-human entities. Um, even coming to um, very uh, uh, to even even that we have even struck a Faustian agreement, a Faustian bargain with uh, with alien entities um, for technology. And there are different factions out there. Some of them, I believe, some of the most important and powerful ones are living beneath the Andes Mountains and the Shinkana. And th these are the things that have become apparent to me. I mean, these were in my mind before, but having gone to Cusco and seeing the things I saw and talking to the people I, I spoke with, um, it, 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 has, it has become, in, in, in my mind, an undeniable reality. And it is a, it is a prescient reality. It is, it is something that in the very near future, I believe, is going to literally come up onto the scene. Um, the Vatican, the hierarchy of the Vatican, uh, and when I say the hierarchy of the, of the Vatican, I'm referring to the Luciferian hierarchy within the Vatican, is I have no question in my mind are already in contact and have been for quite some time with a non-human race. So not only are the governments of the earth communicating behind the scenes with non-human entities, these are non-human entities that are are the enemies of humanity. These are not our friends, but they it's a masquerade of angels. And um, ultimately, that these the the revealing of these creatures, the revealing of these entities, is going to lead to uh, a deception, a great deception. And, and, and will snowball into a persecution of the body of Christ. And um, I believe we're very close to this happening. And, and, and I always knew that it was, it was on the radar, and I didn't know when, you know, would it occur in my lifetime and the lifetime of my children. I'm now convinced it will occur in my lifetime, or if not in my lifetime, directly uh, in, the, in the lifetime of my children, in other words, in the next generation. But I, I'm convinced it's going to happen in my lifetime. And, um, and, I, I have a very strong sense that that's the reason why God has raised up Gen 6 Productions, that, that Steve and I have come together and that we're doing this work because we are, God is giving, um, uh, God is preparing people with information that is going to help them, uh, that is going to help them prepare themselves for a deception the likes of which has, the, the earth has never before seen. Which is, which is soon to come upon the earth. And again, um, pun intended, soon to come up on the earth. And the, 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 the further we go along here, and I think Steve, you would agree, the more we, the more the underworld is coming into focus. It's always what's under the ground, always what's under the ground. And that's something that Steve told me before we even began going around the world was always be looking for what, not what's above ground, but what's hidden under the ground. And man, I can tell you that there never has a truer statement been spoken. I mean, that, is absolutely true Every, everywhere we go around around the world. Um, the, the, the power players of the earth, the Vatican and the, the, um, the Smithsonian Institution and the other entities out there are concealing. Uh, not only are they concealing artifacts, they're concealing contact with entities in the underworld.
and the gates of hell at some point in time, I believe in the near future, are going to open. And it's 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 the first thing that's going to happen is a great deception. It's, it's going to breed a deception the likes of which the earth has never seen. So this this is the this is the underlying reality that has been that ha, that I have been stricken with uh, over the last uh, few weeks. Being in Peru, being in Cusco, um, I mean it was palpable. It was palpable, um, and and it was all coming together and making sense. Uh, even Steve, when you were just talking about the blood crying out and, and 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 as you were saying that I was just thinking about the conquest of the Incan Empire and how it, it seemed as if the cup the cup was running over and 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 it was time for that culture to be annihilated because they were in contact they were being taught by entities by foul uh, abominable uh, rebel entities uh, and their cultures had descended into chaos and and so the Spaniards show up and boom the empires fall like dominoes, and so uh, we're we're in a very we're in a very explosive we're coming to a very explosive moment, and I believe that the Vatican is going to be at the center of it. I really do. Uh, all roads lead to Rome. That was that was the, the saying of our second film. It was the subtext of our second film. The Vatican knows all the secrets. All roads all roads lead to Rome, and uh, that is the thread. That is the narrative that we find everywhere we go around the the earth. And we're not just saying that because we like to say it. Look, it costs us to say that. That's not something you can just say and 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 not have any kind of repercussions. There are repercussions because uh, they know that we're saying this, and it's true. And the and and we have, as Steve said, we have some uh, some guys out there in the field in a location which we will not yet reveal. Um, and there, what do you think they're telling us? What do you think the 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 feedback that we're getting, the preliminary information that we're getting from the field in a very specific part of the earth? is the, the, the churches are sitting on top of the entrances to the underworld, to the tunnels, uh, to, to, the, to where the giants are moving beneath the earth and other entities. And there's no question in my mind that governments of the world, and I'm not just talking about, I'm not talking about the presidents of the earth and the prime ministers of the earth. Those are temporary positions. You have to look at the power behind the throne. You have to look at the occult elite that are pulling the strings from behind the throne. The power behind the throne, they are in direct contact with these non-human entities, many of which reside very literally in the underworld beneath our feet, in the Shinkana, the global Shinkana, if you will, because there is a global Shinkana. Um, and we've been digging deep underground military bases for for uh, for many decades now, and, and believe me, we've come into contact with the ancient entities residing in the underworld, and we, and we dig these bases a mile beneath the surface of the earth now. So believe me, we're down there. We're in contact. We're, we're connecting with, with our modern technology, our modern bases. We're connecting with the ancient, these ancient things that are beneath our feet. And by the way, there's a reason why they're beneath our feet, but that's for another show. But this is, uh, this is core reality. This is exactly what uh, Steve was told by his context. This stuff is core reality. For those, those of you, some of you out there are probably already making the connection that the, the Bagram giant, the Kandahar giant, uh, they were in caves. Why in caves? Why do these guys come out of caves? Why are the live giants associated with caves? Why do they have pale skin? Uh, blonde hair? Because they're living under the ground. They're in the global Shinkana. That's where these things are moving to and fro across the earth among other entities and um, it's like a volcano it's like it's like the magma is beginning to build and, and and there's going to be an explosion on the surface pretty soon that is the sense that i have and i know that's the sense that steve has 
and this is core reality, and it is uh, shocking, and uh, and it's becoming exceedingly palpable to me, and, and especially uh, as we were in the navel of the world in Cusco. And then, Doug, I'm going to share something. There will be stuff uh, shown, shared, and illustrated at the Gen 6 conferences. Our Gen 6 conference, then, you know, I was going to give the website. It's gen, G-E-N-S-I-X, conferences.com. We're about 75% sold out. But there's going to be stuff shown there that has never been shown before. One day I walked into the studio. This is a true story. And uh, Tim had just... Uh, you know, we were talking about stuff. We go over our plans. We lay out on a big whiteboard kind of where we're headed, what we're doing. And uh, I think, it, what Tim, was it you that said it's time or me that said it's time? One of us said it's time. And within days of that, Anselm said it's time. Things I've sat on for the last four decades are going to come out. Now, that's not a teaser because you've got to see some of this stuff. And it, it, I'm telling you what. I think if our mouths were ever shut during this trip, it was only to eat and sleep. But, ladies and gentlemen, please go to Gen6, G-E-N-S-I-X, conferences.com if you want to go there. And if you're interested in, uh, you know, uh, people are asking me all the time, are we going to live stream? Well, obviously, we want people to see this all over the world in real time. And, uh, you know, we're looking into that right now. The problem is, is that, uh, the, <laughs> the mansion in Branson is so huge, but it looks like because this thing is filling up, we will be doing live streaming if, uh, we get enough interest. So you can just send me, uh, an email saying, uh, live stream, yes. And, uh, because a lot of people simply can't travel due to medical conditions, a lot of people due to financial conditions, whatever it is, but I want to share something. I'm believing someone is going to really, uh, come forward and help the people that can't afford to be there. And, and again, I'm putting this out. Look, here's the deal, you guys. Tim is convinced he's going to see it in our lifetime. I'm 66. I'm convinced, or his lifetime, I'm convinced I'm going to see it in my lifetime based on a word of the Lord that God has given to me. Look, I'm nobody. I'm just a guy that's trying to walk out my faith and be obedient to Jesus. That's all I care about now. And I will tell you this, that uh, a certain production company, well-known all over the world, called Tim, I'll be kind of vague, but offered him an unlimited budget. I believe it may have been a trap because they wanted him to throw together an expedition to go into the most dangerous place in the world where over 125 people have died, where you couldn't even begin to put the, uh, uh, if you will, expedition together in 30 days. And they, they basically said, money's no problem, blah, blah, blah. The world has all the money that Satan gives them to deceive. And what we're just asking for is those of you who are capable. I'm not talking about widows. I'm not talking about people who are on fixed pensions. I'm talking about a living legacy in history that you can come on board with us and help us. Doug, this undertaking in which we have our advanced team out in the field now is going to be double the cost of our previous one because we've got to fly people multiple places in the world at the same time because they're related areas. And when you start doubling up on film teams, you're talking about a 21-day uh, with double film teams, you're a double film crews, you're talking about close to 10000 a day. 
and th- these guys don't live in the lap of luxury. Uh, one of our guys that was out in the field in the jungle got bit on the toe by a rat, you know, and sent me a picture of his toe. I said, good night, my brother. Do, do, do they need rabies shots, you know? And he told me, you'll appreciate this, Tim. He had a wonderful meal of rice, eel, and maggots. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I know who's eaten that kind of stuff before. Uh, that's a compliment to him, kind of in a little sordid way. But the point is, look, we got guys willing to lay their lives down, go dangerous, but we also have people that are trying to dangle the carrot. And the the chief thing they want us to do, is this accurate, Tim, is compromise on the Christian stuff. Isn't that, isn't that pretty much what you're told face-to-face? Yes. I get told that all the time. Go ahead, that's Tim, exact- take it from that- there. That's exactly the case, and and see that what people don't, I don't think, really understand, is that outside of Gen Six Productions and the guys like Ellie Mysuli and Tom Horn, um, the entire narrative out there is ancient aliens, and it's worse. Ancient aliens, those guys are playing with toys. The real guys that are behind the scenes working and uncovering things and and are getting ready to put their work together, and they're coming forth with a with a very strong delusion. And we're, I believe that, and in, 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 to some degree, Steve, I believe that Gen Six Productions is the antidote, at least for, at least for, uh, at least for the people of God. And I don't say that to be prideful, but we're certainly part of it. Let's just put it that way. We're certainly, we're certainly part of it. And um, because we're, if we don't go out there and find and and, and get ahead of this story and get and and and, and uncover these things before and or or uh, concurrently with these other people that are out there with a different narr- narrative, then then nobody on our side of the fence is going to be prepared for anything. So we're right there alongside of people working and, and uncovering and exploring and investigating alongside of people who have the polar opposite narrative than we do. And that means our narrative is simple. We believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, period. That 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 Jesus is the only, the exclusive salvation of the human race, and, and so forth. The, the the biblical narrative, period. That's what we believe, and uh, we won't turn from it. Not 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 one degree will we turn away from that central truth, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But these other guys, although they walk with us and agree with us, 90%, in some cases 95, 99%, it's that 1% or that 5% or that 10% with, where they take a different path. Uh, and although they've been with us and they agree with us in 90%, it's that, it's that little bit that we disagree on that makes their narrative a delusion and a lie. And so... Um, we're in the trenches, and we're we're there, and I believe God has us right there. We're right on the cutting edge of a lot of this information because we're placed there. Uh, we're put in the right place at the right time, and we meet the right people. And 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 not all of the people we meet with and work with are believers in the gospel. We're just in the field alongside of the other people who are in the field and covering these amazing things. But we're bringing to the table the biblical narrative. We're bringing to the table the, a perspective that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the true perspective on this thing. I mean, we understand what's going on. We can put all the pieces together, and they can't. Because the final pieces that they're going to put in place are are going to be uh, are, are going to contradict the gospel of Jesus Christ, and so that's our heart. That's what we do, and that's why it's so important to me and so important to Steve. And um, and again, I mean, we've we're, we're tracking things. And by the way, and I and, and I know uh, uh, Steve can 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 contest can can attest to this is we get contacted all the time now by people who are leading in the field. Of this kind, the kind of stuff that we deal with. And I'm talking about secular people, the people in the secular arena, who are watching 
us who are watching Gen 6 Productions and uh, and want to come alongside of us and work with us and you know different projects and and it's because and this is why it's not because uh, me or Steve are so great or because you know we do such great work it's because God has literally placed us He has placed us on the cutting edge of this information purposely. It, it's a, it, it, we absolutely believe this is a divinely orchestrated situation with Gen 6 Productions, and we're finding ourselves always placed at, at, the, at the right place at the right time and in the right circumstance um, to be on the cutting edge of a lot of this information, us and guys like Ellie Mar- Marsuli, Tom Horn, and others who are in the field. I mean, um, so, and it's a battle, believe me. We're dealing with core reality. This is not fairy tales. We're not out there just trying to make money with flashy movies. This is information that gets people into big trouble. And, uh, and, and we're broadcasting it all over the place, and we know for a fact that there's very par- powerful people who don't want us to be talking about this stuff. So, and I'm not saying that, um, to engrandize us by any means. We are committed to the gospel. We are committed to the biblical narrative. That is what drives us forward. And that's what we do. And it's exciting because, uh, as Steve has, has, uh, always says, is that God, every, God is going to be revealing everything. He's going to be making everything known. And, um, and, and we feel like that's where we are. That's what we're doing. And we're part of that process. So, but yeah, I mean, we've got, I've got information coming to me now. Um, on a weekly basis from the people that we have in the field. Steve and I have information coming to us uh, just absolutely confirming everything we've been saying in our, in our films. The last three films we've, we've done, Tec- Technology of the Fallen, The Unholy Sea, and Holocaust of Giants, that body of work that we have now is Gen 6 Productions. It's just getting confirmed and confirmed and confirmed by, by, by uh, the preliminary expedition we have in the field right now by uh, other individuals who are working with us it's just absolutely amazing how it just keeps it's like we it's like we punched a hole uh in the ground and now it's becoming a it's now it's becoming a a, a chasm i mean it's opening up beneath our feet and and um it's it's just amazing to see the kind of information pouring in confirming uh, everything that we've said about the Vatican, confirming everything Steve's been saying about giants for all these years, confirming what we're saying about this great deception that's brewing beneath our feet. Um, it's just, it's pouring in and it is, it is core reality. It's hardcore. And, um, and it's, as I said, it's just absolutely fascinating to watch this information come in. So we've got some really amazing stuff in the works right now. If you have not seen our films, especially if you haven't seen the last two we did, uh, the the uh, the Unholy Sea and uh, Holocaust of Giants, go see those films. You can see them. You can stream them live on on. By the way, when you stream them, you own them on Vimeo. You you own those films on Vimeo. They're not digital downloads, but you own them online um, via Vimeo. You can you can find our films in all their forms, DVD, uh, Blu-ray, and the, the the online streaming at TrueLegendsTheSeries.com. TrueLegendsTheSeries.com. You'll find all the information there. And if you have, especially Holocaust of Giants, if you have not seen Holocaust of Giants, I encourage you to go and see Holocaust of Giants because we put some puzzle pieces into place in that film that nobody else has dealt with, and that I believe are absolutely essential to understanding the the question of the post-flood giants and some other very fascinating topics such as uh, such as the sorcery, Canaanite sorcery, which, which is the same kind of sorcery, which is the root of the sorcery that the Luciferian elite are engaged in now, the left-hand path of the occult, the, uh, the, uh, Aleister Crowley, the, ad, the, the, um, 
um, the followers of Aleister Crowley and Thelema and, and all of the, the left-hand demonic sexual magic because there's the left hand of the occult, there's the right hand of the occult. Uh, the left hand's the nasty, dirty, dark stuff. The right hand's the, the angels and light masquerade of angels type stuff. They're both coming from the same, they have, both have the same root. It's Luciferianism. Um, and uh, we're exposing these things. And especially in our last film, we talk about Canaanite sorcery and the pieces are coming together. So if you haven't seen those films, I highly encourage you to go see, especially Unholy Sea and um, um, the Holocaust of Giants, truelegendsofseries.com. Yeah, I can second that. And, Doug, yeah, how many yes. minutes do we have? We've got about three, uh, minutes. three minutes, sir. Okay. And ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank each and every one of you who have prayed for us. Literally, Tim knows firsthand the saving power of Jesus Christ. You've heard his story on Hagman and Hagman. Um, we've had people literally uh, being awakened in the night. And I want to share something. There are certain things I want to release. I'm on the edge of my seat, but the Lord said, not yet. And I learned something really valuable. The effects that God wants are best uh, attained when you do everything according to his time. So I will say this, as Nehemiah was commanded of the Lord to build the walls, there are certain things that Tim and I are doing, and I can only sum it up, Doug, this isn't to be mysterious or special. I am the chiefest of sinners. I got issues. I've tried to be transparent and have that transparency used against me, but that's okay. It's about Jesus. But here's what I'm going to say. There will come a time when the things that God has locked within my heart and told me, not yet, Nehemiah says it this way, neither told I any man what God had placed within my heart to do. Some people get Tim and I, some people don't. If someone wants to step up to the plate in a big way to help us, and I mean someone who can afford it, look, fly into Bozeman, Tim and I will give you a briefing of what we can't say publicly, and I think you will be more than wanting to get on board, because you've got to leave a legacy, and leaving a lot of money to a bunch of kids that don't know what to do with it, except whatever kids do with money, see, what I call squandered uh, inheritance, please, ladies and gentlemen, your works will go before you, and you have no idea, Doug, we get this all the time, why is this important? Tens of thousands of people around the world have given their heart to Jesus Christ based on the, the DVDs and the books. So this is a big deal, you guys. And I can tell you this, our commitment to the Lord is absolutely unequivocal by the grace of God and through the intercessors. We won't sell out. And I, I'll tell you this, in the next couple months, a major television station, not in this country, wants to know. They say their people listen to us in other countries, and they're sending a film team. So that's all I'm at liberty to say. God bless you, Doug. God bless you, Joe. To each and every one that went to the conference, bless you all. You didn't just observe history. You made history. And so we'll be bringing you updates again, ladies and gentlemen. Sign up for the conference, gen6conferences.com. There will be stuff there that you've never seen or heard before. And I believe this. I, this is going to say it's not only going to be mind-blowing, it's going to shake your paradigm. And then Henry Groover and David Langford are going to bring you some of the most powerful personal ministry and revelation you've ever had in your life. We're going to give you the whole history of the world. They're going to give you a new start in the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Doug. Thanks, Tim, so much. Perfect timing, gentlemen. Thank you, Steve. Tim, thank you, sir. Tim Alberino. Thank you, Go gentlemen. Ahead, 
right. I was going to say thank you, thank you guys for having us on and, and helping us promote all of this stuff all the time. And uh, thank you, Steve, for spearheading all of this. And uh, God bless you guys, Doug, right. Joe, Steve. And God bless you too. Thanks all for right. doing the the work and getting it all together. And uh, TrueLegendsTheSeries.com. That's the site for Tim Alberino and Steve Quayle's site is stevequayle.com. Make sure you bookmark those sites and check out their, as, as Tim said, their DVDs. I'm going to tell you, you, you can, the, you can purchase them phenomenal. on, on Vimeo. Yeah. And those are yours to, you can refer to them anytime. Uh, fantastic show. I'm going to have to listen to that interview again. Uh, we will be back here tomorrow. Same time, same place. So and, and I'll be on Coast to Coast AM just briefly checking in yeah. on the news, talking about the uh, attack in Flint, Michigan. So.